0: Sharon, what are the boys doing?
1: Oh, Sam and Kyle bought a new video game together.
0: They can play guitar now?
1: No, no, they're just little plastic controllers. You hit the colored buttons and it makes the guitar track on the gameplay. Oh. If they spent half the time learning a real instrument as they do playing that game, who knows what they could accomplish.
2: Hey, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. listen to that video
3: crowd. They love us.
4: So, you boys like
3: this music, huh? Yeah, dude, it's Guitar Hero. Stan and Kyle are really good at it. Will you kids want to see something really cool? Check this out. Yeah.
4: I can actually play a lot of these songs on a real guitar. You want me to teach you boys how? Uh, that's gay, Mr. Marsh. Yeah, that's stupid, Dad. But... but this is real. Real guitars are for old people. Do you mind, sir? We want to watch Dad and Kyle play.
3: All right, let's try to score 60,000 points this time.
5: It's uh, 8 minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11, and this is the month of August of the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. Uh, we are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970. To talker, this, my friends, is the Rick Emerson radio program, an excursion into whimsy and amusement. Uh, it is Wednesday, and welcome to Day 12. Thank you for coming by. its three seven three three is 503-733-2970. you want to join us today, 503 733 70 503 733 2970 comments questions clarifications kvetchus two cents ruminations ponderings musings uh, whatever it is you might have 503 733 2970 Richie Bristol standing by ready willing and able to pass along your observations about the interesting the groundbreaking the tedious uh, or the mundane uh, and as we've been doing all week uh, we are making about it to get to all calls within 10 minutes uh, all calls taken within 10 minutes this week next week it might be 9 might be 15 might be uh, might be 42. I don't know. Uh, today, uh, all calls take it within 10 minutes. Don't forget one random caller who gets on the air today will win a copy of Oregon State Fair tickets for pair, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, good for any one day, August 22nd through September 1st. With over 9,000 things to do and taste, it's too big to miss. Visit the Oregon State Fair. Uh, no, scratch that. Well, now this doesn't make any sense. I'm reading this off the page. Visit the space oregonstatefair.org. For more details. Is it is it
6: Is it visit pause the Oregon State Fair? Or well, well,
5: no but it says the. It's visit space the space Oregon State org for more details. Is that are they trying to say visit the website Oregon dot org for more details? Or are they trying to say visit the Oregon State Fair dot org for more details? But somebody's like somebody leaned forward and the elbow hit the space key at an inopportune moment. Oh, that could be. Maybe they both work. Maybe neither of them work. Maybe it's a ruse. Maybe there is no spoon. I don't know. Well, whatever. So, blah, 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 blah. OregonStateFair.org for details.
1: There's no E, but there's no V.
5: Okay, so visit, So bit, let me just cross this out. No, the. I'm going to blacken it out with Savage Fury. All right. Visit OregonStateFair.org for more details. Won't you please? Uh, that same winner today will also pair, uh, win a pair of a uh, run of enga- run of engagement. Yeah. So you'll win that. You'll also win a, a pair of run of engagement passes for the Dark Knight, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic, excellent. All right, it is uh, Wednesday. Thank you for coming by. Uh, huge show today. Uh, not least of which, because I hold in my hands an exciting new bacon product. We'll try it in just a moment. Uh, so we got some bacon to get to. Here's what's coming up. Uh, otherwise, uh, Lisa Desjardins will be joining us later on the day for blah 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 beef steaks, blah blah blah. Not Joe Biden, blah blah blah. It's kind of a weird. Some of you've been following the Obama thing. So yesterday, everybody thought Obama was going to be picking uh, Joseph Biden. Today, Joe Biden came out and said it's not him. Which I guess I don't know. It could be some some weird sort of vice presidential three card monty where they're just trying to throw everybody off. But I don't really know. So Biden just flat out says it's not him. Uh, but then Obama's. They're they're such bastards. They put out this this sort of cryptic, tantalizing press release where Obama says, and he didn't actually say this, but it was his people, but it always comes out in his voice. Uh, My vice presidential candidate and I, my running mate and I will be making an appearance on Saturday. And so they've already got the appearance set. They've already got the location set. They've already got the venue, the everything. He's just like, yes, my VP and I are going to be, we're going to be speaking on Saturday. Never bothered to clarify who it is. And all that does is just uh, play the press like we were Stradivarii uh, because uh, for the next, whatever, today's Wednesday, so the next two days we're just going to get all ratcheted up about who it might be. Anyway, so the ratcheting will continue with Lisa Desjardins later today. See uh, a radio correspondent, Steve Kastenbaum, uh, will join us from New York City, where Sarah Dillon will be uh, this coming weekend. Uh, let's see what else. See a radio correspondent, James Roop, will join us from Los Angeles about a musical death about which you may or may not care. I don't, but you might. Who knows? Uh, I don't know if you go to... Uh, I mean, if you're currently uh, enrolled in one of Oregon's fine universities, you probably care about it a whole lot. If you're busy dancing naked on the lawn somewhere and smoking pot and not getting a job, you may care about it. Otherwise, probably not. We'll make it quick. Let's see. What else do we have here? Uh, we're going to talk to Mark Cantor. I've been looking forward to this all week. Uh, we're going to talk to Mark Cantor, author of Reckless Road, Guns and Roses. That's a pretty-looking book. It's fantastic. Ooh, I can't... May it, I touch it? In just one moment. Let all me, right. Let me flip through it on the air. Just... This is Reckless Road, Guns N' Roses, and the Making of Appetite for Destruction. So Mark Cantor, uh, he's actually thanked on the inside of the Appetite for Destruction. Liner notes, he knew uh, Saul slash Hudson, uh, like all the way, I think even even before high school, knew the band from before they were even created, when it was still L.A. Guns and Hollywood Rose, and then they merged to become Guns N' Roses. He was there the whole way, and he's one of those obsessive guys who photographed everything. Everything. Photos of the crash pad, like the first set lists, the, the the cheesy like black and white pen and ink flyers that you make to put up on a telephone pole, things where it has like a thousand bands listed to be playing the Roxy, and in the bottom like, and Guns N' Roses, you know, like tiny little letters. Uh, just, I mean, he was there the entire way, and he just took a billion photographs uh, of Guns N' Roses up to and through the recording of Appetite for Destruction. It's just, uh, here you go, look at is oh, cool. Isn't that cool? It's like a paperback oh, coffee on. table book, if that makes sense. It's it, it, it's really, it's quite something. So if you are a, uh, if you're a Guns N' Roses fan, uh, or just a fan of, of rock the stories, is phenomenal. it's beautiful. It's really one of the best rock books I've ever seen, just in terms of the way it looks. And just, it's just... As I said yesterday, this is an overused cliche, but it's just a treasure trove. It really is. It's just filled with stuff. Uh, so the book is called Reckless Road. Mark Cantor is the author. We're going to talk to him uh, later on uh, today. Let's see. Uh, bacon. Did I mention Bacon? Yes. Uh, we got that. Other things as well. Your phone calls coming up in just a moment. Let me just say this. I'm not going to say it today. I, I think I'll. I think I have to wait. I, uh, I have to be very, uh, very, very careful about this. I think. Um, I think a condition. Um see, now the syntax of the sentence is already just completely mangled. I have, uh, I have a, a, a tantalizing piece of Portland gossip, non-radio related, uh, that happens to be true. Tantalizing to me anyway. Uh, but uh, a condition of me learning this was that I not talk about it until Friday. Damn it. There you
3: go. It's so a little bit of a two-day guarantee. Oh, day. I'm
5: not going to be here Friday. Well, that's your loss, Tim Riley. Uh, well, maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll, t- maybe we'll do like a, uh, we'll do like a, like a Bob Woodward, you know, meeting in the parking so, garage, Mark, kind of thing. Uh, no, we'll see. You know because if you guess. Then I'm either going to have to say yes or no, or that's then I'm going to have to say, like, no comment, and then everybody will know that's it. it maybe you all won't, won't find it as interesting as I do, but I found it quite... A, I well, found you know it, what I
1: find interesting, what I find it interesting. I'm
5: saying for me, I found it quite compelling. Uh, it's a little piece of Portland gossip, happens to be true. I can't reveal it until Friday. I, so I hate to... I'm just saying it now so it's out there so everybody sort of knows. So on Friday, we'll reveal it. It is... Uh, it may, let me just say this. It put, the, it put a large smile on my face when I learned it. Um... Let's see. Uh, th- other things and so forth. Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification on this Wednesday.
6: Oregon is the 29th most-to-be state. A Lynn County teen is consequently taping sex with girls. A man who flashed one of those bikini baristas gets a hot cup of water thrown at him. Both Rudy Giuliani and Joe Lieberman will speak at the Republican convention. A fender bender leads to a murderous rampage in Florida. Some American Airlines flights now offer for the Internet. Headline season is now officially underway, and our own unselfish Richie Bristol puts his life on the line, saving countless lives by removing a down-tree from the middle of highway 26 during that treacherous storm excellent good for you richie Bristol. Quite a serve your fellow man while wearing crocs by the way
5: mm-hmm. uh, i heard a little crocs. bit of the story and he was wearing wearing those of his weird ass rubbery shoes full of holes while he was walking around a rain slicked uh, twenty six last night uh, so, so that takes care of our public service commitment there, there you go lacy lacy turner you should get us a crystal award right now uh, alright did i mention mr skin mr skin coming up later on the day uh... geek watch double snuff watch uh, jock Watch coming up, uh, and uh, so forth. Join the day is always by the lovely and talented Sarah Kstilman. How great is that book?
1: This is the coolest book I have ever seen. And uh, it has all, it not only has pictures from him, it has groupie pictures.
5: Yeah. Yeah, I it mean... It's just
1: ridiculous. If
5: you're a Guns N' Roses fan, it's amazing. Even if you're not, though, even if you're just a fan of rock and, and the culture of rock and how bands come up, this book, I don't mean to just be going on and on about it. I mean, we'll talk to uh, to Mark Cantor, the author, later on today. But it, it, it really, if, I mean, in terms of just documenting a band and their rise, it may be the best visual representation of a band I've ever seen put together in one book like that.
7: Mm.
5: I, mean, I mean, you'll see, I you know, like the Beatles, there's like a billion books about them, and you know, and Elvis and Led Zeppelin and whatever, but I mean, in terms of just being in one uh, relatively small book... Uh, it probably has more stuff about the rise of Guns N' Roses sort of in the in the early to just the beginning of the salad days than I think I've ever seen. So we'll talk to that guy uh, uh, later on about that. Cool, cool. How are you?
1: Good. Speaking of, um, you know, little butt-like glam rock, yes. I'm going to see Bang Tango and Faster Pussycat tonight. Now,
5: America. I want everybody to know that before the program, Sarah was referring to Bang Tango <laughs> as Bango Tango, <laughs> which I do believe you were confusing with the Ted Nugent song, Wango Tango. Oh, man. Or the original,
6: uh, Wango Tango.
5: Or Congo Bongo. <laughs> Uh, I hate you all. uh, So that is tonight at the Hawthorne Theater. It's going to be Bang Tango, L.A. Guns, and Uh, Faster Pussycat.
1: And my friend Lisa, who saw them back in their heyday, she's showing me a bunch of pictures (laughs) of um, her hanging out with all the dudes from Bang Tango. And by
5: hanging out, do you mean having sex with?
1: I don't. You know, she didn't really tell me.
5: Really? You should uh, ask her. Don't ask her if she flat out did any of them, but ask if she ever spent any time, like, on the tour bus. And then her reaction to that
1: email. Did you spend time on Bang Ango's tour bus, you little hussy?
5: Excellent. Fantastic.
1: Uh- Yeah, I'm super excited for it because I want to see all like the you know all the old rocker dudes and ladies.
5: Here's the thing, you know I am not ashamed of uh, my musical uh, taste, both past, present. I'm not ashamed. Whatever I listen to in the future, I'm not ashamed of. Uh, I have no no problem. You know, and I love music from all different types of eras, all different genres, whatever. Uh, And I got to tell you, I'm a big, I'm an unashamed Faster Pussycat fan, especially L.A. Guns. You know, L.A. Guns, I can kind of take or leave. I mean, I
1: saw L.A. Guns,
4: but we saw them. We
5: talked to Tracy Guns. uh, You know, and I'm, you know, and and I'll be the First, we the L.A. Guns, speaking of Guns N' Roses, L.A. Guns is a huge part of rock history because, it, and a lot of people know this, but a lot of people don't, the name Guns N' Roses comes from the fact that it was this, this sort of shotgun marriage of two bands, L.A. Guns and Hollywood Rose. And half of one band and half of the other joined up and it became Guns N' Roses. So, and Tracy Guns is amazingly not bitter about that, which you think he would be at this point. Uh, but LA Guns is an important band. Uh, Bang Tango had a really, really great album called Psycho Cafe and then a little known follow up called Dancing on Coles, uh, as well as their live EP, Ain't No Jive Live, uh, which Chris Morris and I are the only two people on earth that own that, I think. Uh, but they had a great song, pardon <clears throat> me, called Someone Like You, and then kind of a lackluster ballad follow up called. Um, uh, just for you, which isn't very good at all. But with uh, a great guitar player, great singer, and then Faster Pussycat uh, featuring lead singer Tamie Down, uh, they are really quite something. Uh, I am go- very, very excited. I, I haven't ever, I've never seen him live actually. Not back then, not now, not recently, not whatever. I've never seen pa- Faster Pussycat perform. If
1: Pussy I come across an extra ticket, you want me to fly it your way? I
5: think so. I think I might go just for Faster Pussycat if nothing okay. else.
1: Yeah, uh, Lisa and you have, have similar tastes and she was actually pretty stoked when you were going to come. She's like, Rick, and I can totally geek out together. i
5: got to tell you, for anybody out there that saw the Penelope Spears movie, Decline of Western Civilization Part 2, The Metal Years, have you ever seen that? Mm-mm. I'm going to bring it. You're going to watch it. You're going to love it. Okay. It is a documentary that Penelope Spears, who went on to make Wayne World, but it's a documentary she made about glam bands on the Sunset Strip in about 1987, uh, interviewing a couple who had just hit it big and a lot who were like in that Guns N' Roses book, still scrapping out on the street, kind of trying to make their trying to make their name. And you know, most of them never amounted to anything. Mm. Uh, but it's a fat, it is it, it's an amazing snapshot of that era. Uh, but Faster Pussycat's interviewed in there, and obviously all drunk and high, eh, which makes it especially amusing when she says, "Do you guys drink or get high?" They're like, uh, "No," uh, and they're all just so completely gacked to the nines. But they had a great series of songs, man. Faster Pussycat, they had an album called Wake Me When It's Over, which is kind of their biggest hit, uh, their big, you know, album-wise. And there was a song on there called Poison Ivy, which is really, like, one of the great rock songs of that time. So we have one of their bumpers, too. I think we have Bathroom Wall by, Fath- by Faster Pussycat that plays every now and again on the show.
1: Look, here's a picture of Lisa trying to kiss her Skid Row poster. Yeah. <laughs>
5: All right, fantastic. Wait, that's a great photo of her. It looks like she ought to be married to Tim Burton. Totally. All right. Uh, so there you go. So faster pussy uh, tonight. If you go to see that, you may uh, see Sarah and her friend there. Uh, okay, I already kind of teased the Portland gossip. Um, let me get a couple of these phone calls here, and then we'll talk. Well, we'll talk about uh, what I did last night. But I got to get these calls before we do anything. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello.
8: Hi, Rick. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Tim. What's Hi. up, sir? How can I help Hello. you? Well, this is a follow up on the tape uh, from story yesterday. But the uh, guy who got upset after he passed the nine
5: nine foot tape tapeworm, worm? yes.
8: Yeah, sir, well, it doesn't make sense uh, because.
5: Is this going to be disgusting? Doing... Sir, hmm? is this going to be yes. disgusting?
8: No, it's scientific. Tell all right, can you, science. sir, can
5: you either turn him up or drop the mono of hair? You're kind of yeah. muffled there, sir.
8: Oh, sorry, a I got it. I got a cold.
5: All right, so he's yes. Let's let's not uh, be graphic.
8: No, it's not graphic at all. Um. He didn't get a tapeworm from the meal. He ate, he got a, well, he maybe thinks he did, but he got food poison from the meal and it flushed out the tapeworm that had been in him for years.
5: So you believe that the tapeworm was already in existence in his belly. Uh, and then grow
8: a nine-foot tapeworm in a couple of days.
5: You know, that's a fair point, actually. Uh, that seems so, like it
1: would take a long time to grow. No,
5: that's a really good point, sir. So, he. So yeah, it's not like you're going to grow a It's not like one of those things you drop into the bath and then it turns into a spongy stegosaurus. Uh, it it right. seems like he probably already had the tapeworm. He was sick and the tapeworm. So, in fact, if the food at the restaurant was bad, right. it, it did, in fact, uh, it did, in fact, Everything do him a favor by off. getting the tapeworm out of him. Exactly. That is a great point. I would never really thought about that. Well noted, sir. Thank you.
8: Okay. Science and mathematics and geography are always amusing on your show. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Voice
5: number three. Hi. Uh, you're on The yep. Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
9: Hey, Rick, and Stone. I'm the guy who sent you the guy here on American Dance who did the face plant.
5: Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, right. Okay, yes.
9: Yeah, right on. Hey, um New Seasons is the place Sarah needs to go for her bag balm.
5: Do they, I think somebody told us yesterday they stock bag balm. Yeah,
9: hey, I wasn't sure about that. So yeah. I figured, you know,
4: I was concerned about her bags. By the...
5: Thank you. By the way, if you're looking for styptic pencils, you can get those at the Burnside Fred Meyer. I had any number of people tell me that last night. I'm going to pick Please myself up one today, and then I'm going to shave haphazardly after doing a lot of okay, drugs okay. tomorrow. All right. Thank you. Just take care. Bye. Bye. All right. Uh, all right. So Lisa Desjardins apparently is going to be in a hurry, but she might actually call in a little late, too, so we can push this by a uh, by a couple minutes here. All right. Uh we got uh, some bacon stuff we'll talk about here in a few. Um, let's see. Uh, I got to do this thing about pens, but we'll have to we'll have to wait. we'll have to get to that later. Um so, I will tread lightly here through these next few moments because I don't wish to seem out of step with the culture of which I am a part and on which we report here. but boy, I see I almost don't want to say this. Do you ever do you ever feel like you're about to voice an opinion that is shared by? some of the people you know that you respect and it's not shared by other people you know that you respect and you realize that, that really you're about to alienate half the people you know with your opinion about something. You know what I mean? Because the people I know uh, are very split about this. And so it, I'm, I'm, about to, I'm about to just sort of irritate or annoy or puzzle or frustrate about half of them with what I'm, what I'm going to say. So, wow, Tropic Thunder's a bad movie. I mean,
1: Oh, you saw it?
5: Boy, boy, is that movie so much less than the sum of its parts. Really? Boy, boy, you want to talk about just a massive, colossal disappointment on just an... I'm not going to call it an epic fail. But I'm going to call it—is it it's an epic underwhelm? Is what that movie is. And again, I say this at my own peril. I know it's the number one movie in the country, and which yeah, I heard
1: somebody raving about it last night. You
5: know what? The paddock was going on about how, how great it was, and uh, you know, and Scott Daly, you know, came in and Scott Daly's like, "That's an excellent film," or whatever. And so, Laura and I went to see it last night, and I really had my my expectations—not ratcheted sky high, but why I was really waiting for it to be a good movie, just a real savage satire on the Hollywood system and on filmmakers and on the, you know, on the certain excesses of the uh, of 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 the film. Industry uh, culture, and really, it just wasn't that. You know what Tropic Thunder is? And let me just say first and foremost, there are a couple good moments. There are some moments. This is why I say Tropic Thunder is less than the sum of its parts. Because there are some moments where you laugh. I'm not gonna lie. There's some there's some LOL moments where you kind of go, Hey, that's funny. And there's some kind of there's some there's some good one-liners and there's a, you know a physical gag or two that really work. But you know what, you know what Tropic Thunder is? Tropic Thunder is like an Austin Powers war film. I mean, that's really what it is. It's it's just big sort of broad, overly broad, in my opinion, kind of two-on-the-nose comedy that has been positioned as being a lot edgier and sort of sharper than it really is. I mean, it really is just two hours of Owl My Balls. I mean, that's really what it is. Uh, And they do this clever thing. Tim, have you seen it? No. They do this... They do this clever thing at the beginning, and I'm not giving it away. You know, the movie is about three spoiled actors making a movie, you know, uh, or four spoiled actors making a movie. And they do this kind of clever thing at the beginning, where they run some fake trailers, which are purportedly for the other movies that these act- characters, that these actors are starring that's
1: kind in. Kind of clever. And
5: you know what? And that's really funny. Like when I was watching these fake trailers before *Tropic Thunder*, I'm like, oh, this is great. This is great. They're going to eviscerate all the cliches of Hollywood. This is fantastic. They're going- it's going to be a complete uh, deconstruction and dissection of Hollywood. Uh, you know of the overblown nature of the, of the celebrity system. And so you watch those trailers, and one of the trailers, one of the fake trailers is, you know, because Jack Black plays an actor, blah, 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 blah. So one of the trailers is Jack Black's, you know, actor character, it's sort of his take on the Crumps, where it's Jack Black playing a whole family of fat you know, fat people who fart a lot or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, oh, that's great. They're kind of ridiculing the whole Martin Lawrence, Eddie Murphy, you know, where you're playing 15 characters and everybody's just fat. And it's a lot of scatological you know, fat humor and whatever. That's so great. Look how they're making fun of that. And then later you realize that you're just watching that actual movie, though. That, like, Jack Black's entire character is just based on sweating and falling. And flatulence, oh, and making a lot of not. really awkward, uh, making a lot of awkward sexual jokes and whatever. Here's the thing: the only thing about Tropic Thunder, and I realize the irony of this statement, the only thing about Tropic Thunder that feels like you're watching a real comedy, the only thing that feels real, is Robert Downey Jr., mm-hmm. which is which is insane because he spends the entire movie dressed as a black man. So I mean, it just, it, it, so we're just sitting there, and, and it's that thing where you're getting like 10 or 15 minutes in, and you realize that the movie's not going to get any better. Like, it starts weak right out of the gate, and you think to yourself, all right, maybe they'll pull this together. And then you hit, like, the 12-minute mark, 15-minute mark, 20-minute mark, and you realize, oh, my God, this is what this movie is. It's going to stay this way for the next hour and 45. I'm trapped here. Uh, so, So
1: does it get any better? No,
5: no, it does not, Sarah. It just gets worse and longer and more tedious. And the thing is, I was warned... I was warned by said, Susan Reynolds came by my office. She's like, what are you doing tonight? And I said, well, I think we're going to go to dinner or go see Tropic Thunder. She was like, go to dinner. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, Tropic Thunder, avoid, avoid, avoid. Really? And, I, and the thing is, I, you know what? God bless her. I didn't believe her. I thought, I had to, Susan Reynolds, you're crazy. I didn't say this to her. You're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. Everybody's, it's the number one movie. How can the American people be wrong? The American people are wrong. The American people are just flat out wrong about that. I'm not saying there's not some amusing moments. There really are. Mm-hmm. Not enough to ever 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 make me sit through that movie again. You could not pay me enough. It's like watching an unfunny live action South Park. Like a South Park cast with real life flesh and blood characters with all the humor like sort of systematically removed from it and hermetically sealed. It's
1: like hilarious mentally retarded person That's the thing. Or but like... see,
5: that's the thing. If let me just say this right now. If Robert Downey Jr, if there hadn't been that whole thing of if Robert Downey Jr wasn't playing a black guy and if there hadn't been that whole controversy about the word retard and retarded and d- d- whatever, nobody would care about the movie. I'm just saying that right now. If it wasn't for the controversy about the skin color and uh, you know the, the the handicap guy, nobody would be watching this. It feels like you're watching a bad like Wayne's brothers movie. Oh and, I mean, I don't use that lightly. Like white girls? It's just, it's, I mean, that's the thing. And it wants to be so much smarter than it is. Like Scott Daly, God bless him, came in here and he was like, well, you know, it's a satire on the Hollywood system and they really take a lot of the overblown constructs of the movie industry and they dissect them and they don't do any of that. They do that for about five minutes at the front to make you feel like you're going to get that movie and then it just becomes a terrible sort of melange of things you've already seen done better elsewhere. Mm-hmm. It It really was... It really did feel uh, it, 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 like I was um, like I was watching something made by sort of half of the brain trust behind a scary movie. I mean, it, it, to say that I, it was just so unbelievably disappointing. So anyway, so they, you know, your mileage may vary. Maybe you'll like it, maybe you won't. But I, it, it was, it was like two hours. I'm never going to get back. So and then of course the frustrating thing there was, a, you know, there's all the lightning and thunder and whatever last night. So there was a power surge with no lie. Four minutes left in the movie. And, you know, and they're getting to the big, you know, the, the big climactic of scene of, like, get
4: to the chopper!
5: And then there's... Screen goes black, emergency lights come on in the theater. But I'm such an OCD completist that I just stayed there for about ten minutes waiting for them to fix the projector so I could watch the final four minutes of the film. Because I don't want to be that guy coming in and going, well, it's terrible. And people say, have you seen it? And I say, well, most of it. And then they say, you're not allowed to criticize it, you bastards. I waited in the dark for ten minutes. In a hot movie theater, no air conditioning, a bunch of chowderheads behind me jabbering away in their cell phones and unwrapping nachos. Just so I could see the final four minutes of that film, so you I can? could come and give it a full-throated condemnation. Yes, okay. I stayed to the bitter end. Here's what you don't ever need to see in a movie. You don't ever need to see Tom Cruise in a bald wig and a fat suit, thrusting his pelvis at the camera while shaking bling and like dancing to a ludicrous song.
6: Because oh, it's funny.
5: Come on. That's what I mean. It's it's I, again. I'm not trying to not. Chris Paddock liked it, and he's a smart guy. It's not for everybody. It wasn't for me. Do you, I mean, you can tell that it was just a movie made up of things they found at the bottom of an idea bag. And, I, and again, you know, he's in the trailer, so I'm not spoiling this. The, literally, there are more than there's more than one scene. Where the entire scene is there, so Tom Cruise can put on a bald wig, and he's you know he's a fat guy, and he's got all this fake, he's this hilarious like body hair. He kind of it's like a fat bastard thing that's from exactly, Austin
1: Powers. That's a, what I was thinking. And
5: he pulls out like a huge gold bling, and then a, a ludicrous song starts playing on the soundtrack, and then and I'm making it sound so much funnier than it is. And then Tom Cruise gets up and just does a lot of the like, the like rum shaking and like a junk thrusting right at the camera for like four minutes. I mean it's just an eternity and it has nothing to do with the scene before it nothing to do with the scene after it has nothing to do with the scene that is currently happening it's just there cause seeing a guy in a fat suit you know who's like lame and white dancing to a ludicrous song is hilarious it's not I had to go home and watch Mad Men just to flush it out of my brain just to go home and just to try to salvage some of my remaining IQ points I had to go home and watch Mad Men immediately I stayed up way too late. I stayed up like an hour and a half past my bedtime just so I could watch. But I don't mean to sound snobby about it, but just so I could watch something on AMC just to flush that movie out of my soul. Should we break or should we roll? All right, if you're on hold, that means you, Jeremy. That means you, Lauren. That means you, unnamed guy on line two. That means you, other dude. Hang tight. We'll get to you just around the corner. My word is my bond. Stay there. Back after this. Hi, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503 733 Rick, I saw Tropic Thunder last Friday. I think it ruined an otherwise great first date, says this email. Now the girl won't see me anymore. I blame Tropic Thunder. Best show ever, Brian. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, it's 503 970 uh well let's just let's go right to the phone shall we uh and we'll talk to Elisa Desjardins here just a few hi you're on the rick Emerson radio
4: program hello
8: hey Rick I just wanted to feed your ego a little bit uh, my wife has been adamantly refusing to listen to any form of talk radio because she just sort of lumps it in with uh lumps every talk radio personality in with with people like Lars
5: because most of it's bad sir let's just put it that way it's just it's call it what it is it's bad
8: uh, and I was kind of explaining what it was, and she goes, "Well, I'm not really into geeky stuff. I don't make geeky references or weird connections or whatever." So about a week ago, we're sitting there and we're watching Independence Day because it was the DVD that was left in the player. Right. And it starts. It uh, gets to the, the the speech at the end, and as soon as Bill Pax or Bill Pullman starts talking, my wife snickers and just starts uh, quoting weird lines from Spaceballs, like, uh, "On this ship, you'll call me idiot, not you, Captain." Fantastic. Uh, I started. Uh, I got her to listen a couple of times. She ended up finding you on YouTube, and it ended with us at Claim Jumpers two weeks or not two weeks ago, two nights ago. And uh, she ordered something, and the lady asked her what kind of bread she wanted, and my wife just started laughing, but not
7: just
8: <laughs> uncontrollably.
5: Excellent. All right. So you have uh, successfully brainwashed her. It, it, it's true. Well done, um, sir. So yeah, that's great. What is Thank that? You much. What's what's her name? Uh, Lydia. All right. So and you are Jeremy. Yeah. All right, Jeremy and uh, Lydia. God bless you both. May you uh, may you go forth to be uh, fruitful and multiply and be successful.
4: It's fantastic. All right, it's thank terrifying. you, my friend. All right, there you go. Excellent. Wonderful.
5: Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello.
4: Good morning, everybody.
10: This is Lauren. Hey, uh, two things. One is uh, I finally took your advice, and I was bored, and I watched The Bridge.
5: Oh yeah, uh. yeah. Did you watch it while you're bored and depressed and drunk and jobless?
10: Wasn't drunk, but you know, yeah. again back to the cutting. <laughs> I needed something to do while cutting on myself. You were Jeez, feeling feel a
5: little too good about things, yeah.
10: That's just yeah. Yeah, whole, like whole documentary about people.
5: Uh, whole documentary about people throwing themselves off the Golden Gate Bridge, along with visual aids.
10: Oh well, yeah, and just yeah. the whole as it's leading through for the last part of the movie it's just like Jesus, man. But yeah. Anyway, on up note, dude. Whatever you do, no matter if you don't spend any more money after today, you need to go see Faster Pussycat.
5: Uh, you know, I never saw them back then, and I almost wonder if. Uh, I, I mean, I was. You know, I mean, maybe they still put on a good show. Maybe they don't. I don't know. It feels like it's almost like. You know, I have no memory of seeing them now, and it's like I almost wonder if it's better to to keep it unsullied. Here's the only reason I say that. A friend of mine saw Faster Pussycat in a bar a while back. And there were, I think, nine people that showed up, and literally the band uh, flipped a coin on stage to decide whether they were going to play the show or not. And I live in fear of that. I'm sure it won't be that case. Uh, That won't be the case tonight. But I, uh, but I I would live in fear of that.
10: Because I mean, I I saw them open up for Alice Cooper years ago, and it was like, I mean, they really, man. I love Alice, but it was like, I mean, they were really. They were what rock was all about. I mean they were like full on Hey don't like, get
5: me wrong, they they really took sleazy bar band rock and raised it to an art form for one glorious moment. I'll I'll give you that.
10: Oh yeah, that was great. Yeah, I mean in and the venue was it was non smoking and you know Timmy Down's like, Oh, so they told us you can't smoke and you know, immediately pulls out a cigarette, lights it up, sets it into the mic stand, pulls out another one and light it up, yeah, you know, lights he- it up. Let's one just burn while he's smoking the other. And he was it. pretty stylish. Well,
5: maybe I'll uh, I'll take it under advisement, as Alan Rickman says in uh, Die Hard. So, all right. <laughs> you thank you, sir. You've got to do it. I know. I know. All, all right. Here, here, thank here. you. All right.
7: There you go. All right.
1: I That's, think tonight might actually be sold out. Really? Yeah. Damn it. Yeah, If not closed. Now
5: see now, I, now, see, now I have to go. It's a thing I didn't even want to go to until I was told I couldn't go. Now I demand a ticket. I'm not demanding a ticket. Uh, let's welcome that to the Rick Emerson Show. And we will resume calls here in just a moment, uh, Christina, Pam, etc. Uh, Lisa Desjardins from the Hill. Hello, how are you?
11: Hey guys, how are you?
5: I heard you were just on CNN television.
11: I was, and I'm sitting here on the set right now. So if I have to drop off this call, it, it, it's going to be a choice. Do I? Do I? You know, it's it's like picking the uh, you know dumping your best friend for uh, I don't know. The hot guy in the consumer. This is, this Things is, like
5: no, this is going to be like it. It's going to be like a pretty and pink thing, right? And I'm ducky. Yeah, just say it. I hate just
11: to call say it. it what I it, hate it is. To
5: say it. All right, I hate fine. To say it. Whatever.
11: But yeah, we're reporting right now. I don't know if you guys have covered it. It probably isn't a story that affects uh, Portland so much, but Congresswoman Stephanie Tubbs Jones right. is in very, in critical condition in the hospital. And what's interesting about this story is uh, we have multiple sources telling us from Congress that, that she had passed away. And then we just went live to the news conference in the hospital, and the doctor says, no, she's in critical, well so he didn't say, no, he said she's in critical condition. So big scramble here in Washington to try and figure out exactly what happened here. And this
5: is a, what is it, a brain aneurysm? Am I right about that?
11: Yeah, it's a brain aneurysm, and it is a type that is very difficult to survive. At the least, we know that she has um, limited brain function. That's the term that her doctor used. So it's a serious situation regardless, um, but it, it doesn't help, you know, when there's, when we're reporting, and when Democratic leaders think that she's died, and, and she, right. she is still surviving, so
7: it's a very uh, tricky
11: situation.
5: All right. Um, well, then I won't. I know you. You. it's going to be sort of a busy, a busy morning, afternoon slash whatever for you. Uh, real quickly, uh, Biden. I don't know anything. Biden took himself out of the out of the running sort of today, or out of the speculation. Where I mean, Biden just came out and said it wasn't him uh, for Obama's you know, number two slot. I'm slide.
11: not so sure that that's. You know, I think I want. I've listened to that tape, and I. I he may have been saying. You guys are saying I'm not the guy, kind of quoting Right. What he might have. It, it's a very it's a confusing exchange, so I'm not taking that as, as gold. Like, you believe I there's wiggle room? There is a lot of wiggle room, and in fact, he said, I don't know. You guys may know, I don't know.
5: All right, fair enough.
11: So I think, you know, and if anything, maybe he's trying to raise his capital a little bit because he was – you know he was the guy everyone has been talking about, and maybe he wants to you know sort of cool down the kitchen a little
6: bit. I will say
5: this that uh, Obama's really his his you know who him or his you know the, the sort of folks around him they're really working the media something fierce because they' you know he's already said that you know might he he didn't say anything but the, that he and the v p will make uh you know will make an appearance on Saturday they already have a speech scheduled, and so it's like it's like when you're playing uh, whatever that soul caliber four or whatever, and there's the unlockable player, but there's a question mark over it and you can 't figure out who the player is, and then you realize later. It's- darth vader it's exactly like that (laughs) the point is he's already announced the gig they just don't know who it's going to be so now we're all in a ratchet you know ratcheted up expectation mode for two days
11: what i like thinking about is the fact that the nominee themselves doesn't probably doesn't know yet
5: yeah well that see that's pretty that's pretty interesting is that do you think that's true
11: yes i do because i think you know it it, it's getting close now i think today or tomorrow they're going to probably be let into it i think it's very possible You know, all of the people who who we talk about in contention, and maybe it'll be someone completely out of that group, but all of those folks have staffers who are leaky ships. And I think everyone in the Democratic Party knows it. So the best way to contain a leak is just don't tell the candidate until you absolutely have to. So
5: if somebody knew, everybody would know.
11: It's possible.
5: All right. It's like that thing, apparently there's something the other day where the the, the one of the new U two tracks has been leaked onto the net and it's because Bonna was playing his stereo too loud and somebody happened to be in the next room and they were just taping it through like the heating vent or something. Oh, no kidding. All right. All right. Uh, All right. I will let Thank you get you back much. to your day. We'll talk yeah. to you soon. You guys take care, Thank Bye. you. There you go. Lisa Desjardins. Sounds like a crazy day for her. It's crazy. It's crazy. All right. Uh what are we doing here? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson. We'll just get these calls. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello.
9: Hey Rick. How can yeah. I help you? Got to disagree with you on Tropic Thunder.
5: Well, the, the, I will say that the country has spoken, and I'm in the minority on it.
9: You know, any movie where they can get Tom uh, Tom Cruise to, to dance around in a fat suit with bling on can't be all bad. That so yeah. was that yeah, was really really funny. It's
5: it's not it's not all bad. Uh, you know, there's certain things about the movie. That, I mean, there were moments I laughed. I'm not going to be a total like crank about it. There's nothing funny about it at all. There are some funny moments, which is why I say that it's sort of like it's like, uh, it's uh you know, it is much less than the sum of its parts. Uh Because it, you see sort of glimmers of what could have been a good movie. And You see moments where I think the whole thing could have come together really well. But, I, and, I, and I mean to sound like I'm joy. It's not like I can't appreciate big, dumb comedy. Surely I can't. I mean, look, I sat and I've seen Blazing Saddles like a billion times where it's basically just a bunch of cowboys uh, and gay chorus dancers having a pie fight. I mean, so I can certainly appreciate yeah. that. But it's like... I feel like they just ran out of ideas and they thought, I know, we'll have a white guy look all fat and dance to a hip hop song. Kids love yeah, but,
9: that. Yeah, but the movie is about inept film filmmaking. I think part of the part of the joy of the movie is that it's inept filmmaking and it's, that's what the movie's about.
5: Maybe.
0: And, uh,
9: and I think it's just part of the movie, some of the rough parts. I, you I,
5: know. I will say this.
1: How uh, much naked, not naked, how much
5: bald Tom Cruise dancing is there? Too now? much. Too much. Really?
9: Zig No, that was funny. That was great.
5: Well, I will say this. I will say that it, the, the, it is, it's a movie where they're trying to, or at least they are claiming, to sort of uh, deconstruct or maybe satirize some of the cliches of war films, you know what I mean, some of the things you've seen yeah. a thousand times. But here's the real, and I say, I'm not, look, I'm not like a master satirist or anything, but in my opinion, one of the risks, now we're just like gazing at our own filmmaking navels, but one of the risks you run when you are satirizing something is that you got to be careful when you are satirizing Nietzsche said this great thing. Nietzsche said, he who hunts monsters must take care that he does not become a monster himself. And here's well, the thing. If you're going to satirize something, you've got to be real careful that you don't end up just becoming the thing that you are supposedly satirizing. And Tropic Thunder just becomes a cliche-ridden war film.
9: But that's what that's what it's about. That's what the movie's about. It's about making a bad movie.
5: You are trying to justify to yourself why it's bad. You're, no, 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 no. It's supposed it to be bad because they're making fun of bad movies. You are tra- you are lying funny. to yourself, my friend. And,
9: and what's also good is he was able to get major stars to do something totally different than they've ever done before, like Tom Cruise and Matthew McConaughey. Uh, I mean, it's. I mean, they're doing something different and uh anyway i just hey, it was really let me, fun
5: let me just end this entire discussion of cliches by saying
3: hey we're going to agree to disagree <laughs> hey. yeah. all right thank yeah. you <laughs> thanks a lot right, there you go I don't
1: know, anything where you're having to justify after the fact you're like okay well no i get it Was it's supposed to be bags of the right. it seems like that's overthinking the point of a movie which is to just go there enjoy it instead of be like oh no it was supposed to be like
5: this it's like when people say well, I didn't like it when I first saw it, but then when I really thought about it, 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 it which is like, it, 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 I paid $40 to see that with my friends, and so I figured that I have to, you know, convince myself that it's good. That's like when you buy a record that sucks.
1: Yeah, or like, uh, like go to a concert where everyone else is like really feeling it. And I'm yeah. Like, yeah,
5: and you yeah, listen to it over it. and over again going, maybe if I listen, it, well, maybe it will reward pe- repeated listens, and it doesn't. Uh, it just, I, I get that they're trying to make fun of cliches in movies, but again, it's like by making fun of a cliched film, they lost the grip and they just became... like if I mean They
1: lost their grip on irony a little bit?
5: Well, that's the thing. It's like if you're trying to string together a bunch of cliches to show how... It's like eventually you realize, wait a minute, I'm just watching all these cliches. Like, you're just watching... The, it was like... Did you ever watch That's My Bush? Um, the, i watched it like once. The Trey Parker-Matt Stone uh, sitcom on Comedy Central, which is a live-action sitcom taking place in the Bush White House. Uh, it, that, this was the problem with that, is because it, 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 that's my Bush wasn't really about making fun of George W. Bush. It was about making fun of sitcom conventions, laugh track, wacky setups, the next door neighbor who just pops in and who's funny and the kooky misunderstandings. And it was about making fun of all of those cliches. And the reason that that show got really tedious is because re- they did it so well that you realize, wait a minute, I'm just watching A cliched sitcom, which maybe that was their point. They were trying to, like, show how easy it is to make a bad sitcom, Mm -hmm. but they did the job too well. I'm giving Tropic Thunder way too much credit. I don't think they're that smart about it, but it's just a whole series of war movie cliches. And it doesn't just to know, like, to have them sort of pointing out, like, look at all these cliches doesn't remove the fact that you're just having to sit through all those same cliches again for 90 minutes mm-hmm. like you can't you can sort of put all the window dressing on it you want it's a movie entirely and it's made out it's like a bunch of leftover scenes from Bullworth. that's the other thing that it feels like Did you watch Bulworth? warren beatty no. uh Bullworth,
1: i used to see that though because I, I watched wag the dog now i Bull, used to go on my next
5: Bullworth is not on the wag the dog level it's got moments but i think if i remember correctly i
1: thought Warren Beatty. warren beatty okay.
5: i think if i remember correctly it's been a long time today he's running for president and i think i think like he finds out he's going to die or something uh, and so he just decides to start to, like, tell him the crazy truth. Like, because you know, he, what does he care? He's going to die. So he starts telling all the truth to the people and, like, really leveling. And at one point in the movie, Warren the movie Beatty.
2: For, like, hip-hop? Yeah. And at oh. one point in the
5: movie, Warren Beatty decides that he's got to be all, like, street. And so he puts on, like, the, the Adidas suit or whatever. And, like, the you know, and the chains and, like, the beanie. And he's, you know, and he's, like, rapping, you know, about stuff. And that's what it felt like when I was watching Tropic Thunder. I was, you know, it was, like, out to, it was, like. The bad moments from Bullworth merged with Mike Myers in a fat suit with a funny accent because then it's, then it's hilarious, you know? And it, I, I don't mean to sound grumpy about it. I mean, it is not not all comedy has to be, like, that sophisticated.
1: Well, maybe I'll see it so that way I can I can see if I agree with your opinion in, like, one of the beer theaters. And you know what? Like, I mean, after, after it goes down to, like, $2, then so you know, I'll go check you it
5: out. May be, you may completely disagree. I said Chris Paddock liked it. Scott Daly liked it. It's the number one movie.
1: You and I are pretty much off-put by the same things,
5: though. I found it to be ham-handed. That's my thing. I thought it was not nearly as clever as it was trying to be. And I put that on uh, Ben Stiller because I don't like him. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City, CNN Radio Correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir.
12: I'm doing good. How are
5: you? I am fantastic. Brother, how's life? How are things?
12: Doing good. Uh, I was actually um, pretty proud of my colleague, Lisa Desjardins. She was just on TV? Yeah.
5: Excellent. And that was uh, because of this, uh, this uh, with Congresswoman Tubbs. And so, uh, yeah, I, so I got an email from um, uh, from somebody. They're like, "Hey, Lisa's on CNN right now. She's hot." So, uh, so there you go. <laughs> she's uh, uh, totally
12: straightening out uh, the confusion here and, and explaining what was going on. Uh, first, uh, you know, we're told that uh, she had passed away. The Congresswoman from Ohio had passed away, and then the uh, hospital held a news conference just moments ago saying she's in uh, critical condition. That's yeah. Why.
5: Uh, well, it's a busy day for her, anyways. That and then these so-called Veepstakes, uh, which is still happening. So, yeah. hey, let me ask you this: what, Have you heard about this thing where they want to put windmills on top of all the stuff in New York City?
12: Isn't that funny? It's... Because because people are 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 you know photoshopping things that just look utterly ridiculous and it's like on top
5: of the Brooklyn Bridge, like a huge series of windmills.
12: Yeah, and and of course they're putting up you know like the, the type of windmills that you see in these big open vast spaces. That's not what they're talking about. They're talking about these windmills that look more like an egg beater. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
5: And uh, so is that a thing where somebody's just bumping his gums trying to get that done, or is that actually going to happen?
12: Our mayor, who is at the forefront of of, uh, a um, a greening of New York, if you will, uh, um, policy, he's he's put forth this whole NYC 2012 I'm sorry, no, that was the Olympics one. This one's NYC. I I forget what year he's trying to to do all this stuff by, but he's got this whole plan to put all these uh, new environmental policies in place. And one of the things is they want to introduce a building code that would require new buildings to install windmills uh, at the top. Yeah.
5: All right, then. Well, we got those here if you uh, drive through the Columbia Gorge, uh, which is this huge sort of... Well, it's a gorge uh, here. Yeah, there, you see these hills where they're just covered with hundreds of those those white sort of windmills, and they're really cool looking. Uh, I think
12: I think they're great looking, and, and that's what people are photoshopping like all over the place, like putting those windmills on top of every building. It's actually kind of funny, but uh, again, that's not what they're talking about. I'm, I've never seen one like one like the one they're describing in this story here, but they supposedly look more like a like a an egg beater or like a cone shaped type thing. Right. And, and, Spins around and it would somehow be incorporated into the design of the building. So we'll see if it happens.
5: Uh, so, uh, just on, on the serious uh, tip for a moment here. So, this uh, this thing, in Russia and Georgia and whatever, uh, I will say that I saw this, I think it was yesterday or the day before. Russia was doing this great. It's like Russia was trying to do like the Jedi mind trick where. You know, everybody's sort of jumping up and down like, you must leave Georgia. And so Russia puts out this press statement or a release, or they, they issue some sort of, you know, some sort of uh, announcement. Like, we, okay, the, the, the Russian military is now leaving Georgia. And yet, like, you look at the map, and it's like, you just see the icon of, like, the Russian army, like, going further and further in. And it's like, for every time they issued a statement saying they were leaving, like, they went 15 miles further in. Yeah. You're so, right.
12: It's exactly like Star Wars. I didn't even think about that's it. That's exactly
5: what it is. They're like, we're leaving right now. And meanwhile, they're like bulldozing the, the capital.
12: It's like when uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi tells uh, the stormtrooper, you don't need to search him. Exactly. These aren't
6: He's, the droids you're looking for.
12: These are not the droids you're looking for.
6: Exactly. Yeah. You
5: yeah. can steal that. You can use that if you like.
12: I like that. Yeah. And, and just the other day, again, they were saying that uh, w- Russia was saying... We're not being the aggressor here. It was Georgia that uh, that is at fault. We're going in here to keep the peace between uh, Georgia and the separatist uh, forces.
5: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right.
12: At the same time, they were going in and shooting up the place. It's
5: just not. I mean, would I be wrong if I just bottom line it by saying it's not going to get any better anytime soon?
12: I would say that's a great uh, a great way of summing up the entire. Story in georgia right now that's
5: in fact how i choose to sum up the entire planet just like fyi so
12: all right my friend accurate that would totally be accurate hey right.
5: by the way we've swapped out our musical questions because we've now saturated the what is your favorite billy joel song market so my uh, new musical question steve kastenbaum is what is your favorite madonna song
12: oh hold on let me think about that can i come back to you tomorrow with an answer what
5: I'm do not... you really have to take a day
12: i'll tell you why that's a very important You're a
5: bad american
12: no, that is a very important question, and I don't want to like give a knee-jerk reaction and and say like a virgin, and then tomorrow regret, you know, like a virgin. Mm. I think I think uh, Material Girl. If if I had to go through her, her
5: whole catalog, maybe you should take a day.
12: I think.
5: <laughs> I I, st- I think you should go back to your initial plan of pondering for maybe a good twelve, sixteen, eighteen hours before you Vogue? stick with this uh, Material Girl business.
12: How about Vogue?
5: I do like the idea that you use the phrase, I don't want to regret the next day like a virgin. <laughs> All right. On that note, we'll, uh, we're will we going to end. Uh, Steve, we are you on tomorrow?
12: Yes, I am. All right. I'll we'll
5: talk great. to you tomorrow.
12: I'll Th- regret the whole conversation tomorrow. Okay. Yes.
5: Thank you. Bye now. There you go. There's Steve. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one more, then we'll break. Come back. Tim Riley. Hi. Huh? You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi,
2: Rick. How you doing? Hey. Hey, I'm Pam. I have a demented father. I took him. I wanted to take my dad. Hey, I wanted to take my... And I wanted to say hi to Tim, and uh, of course.
5: Tim I... doesn't have his headphones on, but. Oh, okay. He says hello.
2: Okay. Hello, back. And All of right. course, Sarah. Yes. Hello, yes. hey. Hi. Yes. Anyway, I, I said I, I took my. I said, Dad, you want to go see a movie? Uh I said you want to go see Tro- Tropic Thunder? Ah, uh, no. Ah, uh, ah, uh, no. I uh, I said okay, Dad. So, but I had my 14 year old nephew, so I had to buy him a ticket because otherwise he couldn't get a ticket into the movie.
6: Did you go see it with him? Of
2: course. I had my dad my, I, uh, I was with my dad. Probably you
5: don't want to take your demented dad to see a war film anyway. That seems like a bad oh, no. idea. He
2: loves he loves the war. He was in the war.
5: He loves violence.
2: He he's the type of person who watches the Nazis on the History Channel and all the World War Two stuff. But anyway, okay. my 14-year-old nephew, so I bought a ticket for him, and I, I, I had my dad, so I couldn't go yes. to the movie. So he was supposed to meet his friends, and they were all supposed to meet the movie, see the movie, but they're all 14 years old. So they, like, buy tickets to other movies, uh-huh. and they try to, like, you know, you know.
5: Of course, yeah, you buy man. for one, or you sneak into the other.
2: Anyway, they got caught. <laughs> Excellent. And they were kicked out in the movie theater, and they were told never to come back.
5: I didn't think they actually enforced that. I thought it was just like a thing that they said, but that like nobody ever... I thought it was like not paying in the max. They sort of like tell you no. they you're going to get in trouble, and then you never do. So they been. They were told never to return.
2: This was at Lloyd Center, of all places. You know, you would think they wouldn't care.
5: I really, I would think that things would be rather lax there.
2: Yeah, but well, um, well, uh, the, uh, the lady wouldn't sell them the movie tickets.
5: Well, Initially. Is, you know what? This is uh, This is what happens when you become a scofflaw, you know?
2: I know, so, I know.
5: All right, thank you. Well,
2: you take care. Bye. Bye. All right, there you go. I like it when she calls.
5: Now, I, saw it, I saw this on the 82nd. I saw Tropic Thunder, on 82nd. And, uh, so uh, the, Eastport? Yeah, so the audience, there's just animals to begin with. Uh, and then this thing at the end where the, literally there's like five minutes left in the movie and there's a power surge. Power goes out. Lights go off. Emergency lighting comes on. And they're trying to get, and the woman comes in, she's like, power surge, we're trying to get the movie restarted. Uh, and then there's the, then the emergency lights go off, but the movie still hasn't started, so we're sitting in a pitch black room. And it's just like being in a zoo. I mean, it's just, you know...
1: You're gripping just, under
5: your wallet. Seriously, it, really just waiting for a shiv, you know? I mean, it's is, just like the lowest wrong of humanity.
1: When there was like, there were like the kids running around with swords and knives yes. or something? Yes, That's the same Yes, one?
5: that is the theater, so... Yeah, yeah, really. It's about it
6: the east side.
5: Jesus, it's like, you're just like in Darwin's waiting room. I mean, it's just, you know. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back after this.
6: Lisa Den
5: is on TV right now. I know. She's covering the uh, Congresswoman thing. All right, back after this, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. Tim Riley around the corner. Cameras radio program. Anyway, so to complete a thought that I was, uh, that I started like 40 minutes ago. So the thing about Faster Pussycat, LA Guns, Bang Tango, da 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 da, the Hollywood Theater tonight, I'm sure it's going to be a great show. I was, you know, those shows can be a little bit of a mixed bag, though. Uh, you know, it just, it just depends. It can be luck of the draw, and that's not really about the venue, it's not about anything, not about anything other than sometimes uh, you go there and it's exactly what you hoped it was going to be, and it's like you're reaching way back into your memory and checking off a to do box. Like, I've finally seen enough's enough. Uh, Sometimes when you go, going, you're like, oh, wow. Oh, they're all, all, they look like walking, they look like the walking dead. Uh,
1: You know why this is going to be especially good? Because I think the Hawthorne Theater is a good venue it because it's old and it's kind of like, kind of dirtier. Plus, it's 21 and over tonight, uh, which means it's not going to be that great divide with all the kids in the front. So it's just going to be a whole bunch of old Heshers like, oh, it's
5: going to be so fun. What does that word mean?
1: I don't know, but it seems like it describes it. Paradox? I think of hair farmers when I think of that I,
5: I I thought a hesher was like a like an invading mongol, or is that a hessian? I don't really know uh, the, 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 I will say the one thing that is in, in really in the favor of fasty, faster tonight is that they're not like. You know, a lot, unlike a lot of bands from that era, they're not really like an arena band. Like they were never, you know, like a lot of those bands that, you know, once the '80s, uh, you know, the, once the '80s were over and once Nirvana came along, a lot of those bands were big like arena rock bands and they got busted down to little clubs. And Faster Pussycat was never an arena rock band. They were always kind of a club band.
1: See, and this is like a nice, a nice yeah. club feel. Okay, so Hesher is a person who loves '80s bands and they're defined by long hair, throbbing pelvic moves, and wow. glamour style.
5: <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I was going to count myself in there, but then I'm out in like three of the four... Uh, yeah, they're I mean they're kind of a club band. I mean even back then their big thing was to play a place called the Cat House, which was just a rock club that, you know, held a few That's a few hundred people. Saw them. The, really? At the mm-hmm. Cat House? Oh, I'm officially envious. Mm-hmm. The Cat House co-owned by Tammy Down and and Ricky Rackman from Headbangers Ball. I got oh, to God, bring... you guys are
1: going to geek out all night and I'm just going to be standing there.
5: Seriously? She, are you talking to her like via email or something?
1: Yeah, she wrote me an email.
5: All right, can can you do this? And yeah. uh, we're going to start the news. I want you to I want you to uh, send her th- uh, just ask Lisa this. Say, uh, decline of Western civilization to thoughts. Just, uh, is this like an instant message or an email?
1: Um, right now it's an instant message.
5: All right. Yeah. Decline of Western civilization to thoughts. And just see what she says. Because there's only going to be one of two outcomes. One is she's seen it. She'll be like, oh my God. The other is she hasn't seen it. In which case, I'm going to give you the best evening of your life. Really, you and Lisa. Uh, if she hasn't, I'm
7: going to give
5: you the best evening of your life. I got a brand new Bronco out front. Red.
3: Let's start the news. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Now, I'm clear of what's going on here. Yeah,
5: let's move on, Tim. <laughs> Best not to dwell on these things.
6: Well, whatever's going on here is sponsored by Lace Auto Collision Center, 5 Collision Repair. Go to lace.com and find out what lace can do for you. Our top story... It is not a fit breakfast for a champion. That's what nutrition experts are saying about Olympics. More Michael Phelps deal with Kellogg's. That puts his puss on boxes of frosted flakes. The Daily News reports nutritionist Rebecca Solomon is one of those worried about the message that Phelps is sending to the kids. She said, I would not consider frosted flakes the food of an Olympian. The cereal has three times the amount of sugar as the traditional athlete's choice of Wheaties and only one third of the fiber. She'd rather see his face on Fiber One, Oatmeal, or even Cheerio. You know what?
5: I think we'd all appreciate it if uh, tight-ass busybodies like Rebecca Solomon would shut it. <laughs> Seriously. You know, can I just tell you this? Yes. You know what I ate last night? What? Frosted Flakes. I had a bowl of Frosted Flakes last night. It's sort of uh, fortuitous or serendipitous or a thing something uh, that this comes up because I was going to talk about this the other day, but it seemed too trivial even for me, but now I have an excuse. So... Uh, so the other day, uh, Laura and I had to go to, uh, to plaid, the Plaid Pantry for something the other day, and it was literally like a convenience-type product. Like, we weren't doing our grocery shopping at at, at, at a convenience store. Have but you we, ever done your grocery shopping? At I have. Grocery? I have, and someday after I win the lottery, I will do all of my grocery shopping. I did
1: shopping. a couple of days ago. I got I got some fruit, some milk, some yeah.
5: cereal. And you, and, we, and you realize you're paying like 900% markup, but, I mean, what do you care? Uh, so we had to buy something. It was just something dumb. It was like, I don't know, like the Band-Aids or whatever. Anyways, so we we stopped by the Plaid Pantry. And, of course, it's late at night, and, and we look for all the world like stoners. I mean, as lame uh, as we are, uh, we're just wandering around the store because she's looking for whatever, and I'm like, I'm going to go look around because I, I love convenience stores. And I and I end up in the cereal section of the plaid pantry, and I sat there. Uh, this is, I think, where my, whatever, my ADD or just my scatterbrains, whatever it is, where, where it really takes effect, because I suddenly was overwhelmed by the urge to buy some cereal. Hey, why not? I mean, I got a, kind of a weakness for breakfast cereal. So I sat there, and I must have taken two minutes to ponder between a big-ass box of Frosted Flakes or or the little variety pack that gives you eight different cereals. Where
1: it has, like, Apple Jacks and... Apple All Jacks, Cocoa kind of
5: Krispies, Frosted Flakes, uh, uh, let's see, uh, the corn, those corn pop things, sugar, corn pop, whatever those things are. Uh, anyway, I ended up just uh, going right for the big-ass box of Frosted Flakes, uh, which I haven't had... I haven't had Frosted Flakes probably in 15 years, so it's interesting the story comes out. Um, so, like, in the first time, since probably a decade and a half, I bought a box of Frosted Flakes, and you know what? They're fantastic. So I had a big bowl last night while watching Mad Men. It was really just the best of high and low culture all at once.
6: So there wouldn't be a problem if your face was put on the box of Frosted they Flakes complete, instead of Mark Phillips.
5: I demand that my box, be, my face be put on a box of Frosted Flakes. I, I am. All you got to do
6: is ask. Issue you a demand right, right now. So now I have the face of Crispix.
5: I, I, I was just going to ask if everybody's face here could be on a box of cereal. I want to be
6: the leprechaun of Lucky Charms.
5: Photoshop now.
1: Crispy's are so magical. They're like little cages of cereal goodness that trap in the milk and it just explodes right at the right time. They're so I, good.
5: I, I really love the fact that we love cereal because cereal is a fantastic thing. Little cages of milk, uh, little cages of cereal. And you would say, Tim, you're saying Lucky Charms? Yeah, but actually I eat oatmeal every morning. But maybe it
6: could become Ben Franklin.
5: <laughs> so, uh-huh, now, do you like breakfast cereal? Sort of like, you know, a cold yeah. cereal? Okay. What is your preferred cold breakfast cereal? Cold breakfast Well, you know, or? like the kind in a bowl with milk. Life. Really? Yes. Life is good. Boy, could you be more wholesome? I mean, really, it seems like you ought to be, you really ought to be hiking into the woods to cut down a tree. I was
1: thinking you to say grape nuts.
5: All right, that one, I would also, the judges would have accepted grape nuts from you as well, and like going home to a wood-fired pot-bellied <laughs> stove and building a cabin or something. All right, uh, I'm saying for me, I mean, really, I did have a box of Frosted Flakes, not a whole box, I had a couple bowls of Fro- Frosted Flakes last night, which really were exceptionally good. Just a
6: good. couple before retiring? Isn't that loading yourself up with sugar?
5: Uh, you know what? Sugar doesn't really have that effect on me. Sugar doesn't doesn't uh, I don't get hopped up on sugar. Uh, but uh, I'm saying for me, I love the Frosted Flakes, and I also love that like it's like that Quaker granola cereal that claims to be healthy, but it's just crap. Mm. I mean, it's just like it's just like fructose and just garbage. But it's so good.
1: I love eating cereal for dinner, don't you? Oh,
5: that's see, I'm an adult. I can eat whatever I want when I want. Everybody else can. Uh, everybody else can just uh, can just bite on that. All right, here's Tim Riley.
6: Well getting back to local stories, October like weather arrived, knocking down trees and tying up traffic. Crews scrambled to restore power in parts of the city early this morning on Southeast 148 and Bush. A falling tree snagged some power lines. Fallen trees on southwest Taylor's Ferry and even on I5 near Wilsonville led to traffic tie-ups. And we understand a tree fell on Highway Twenty-six. Scores would have been injured if it wasn't for our own Richie Bristol, who was traveling on that highway. Stopped his car, got out in the pouring rain, risking his own life, and pulled the tree single-handedly off the highway.
5: If a tree falls on 26 and an agent isn't
6: there, does it kill people?
5: Uh, yeah, Richie thank Bristol. goodness
6: Richie was there. Can you come to the studio very briefly? All right. All right. You should be given the key to the city. All right. Let's. Uh, the key to Highway 26.
5: <laughs> the uh, let's welcome now to the uh, to the Rick Emerson Show our intrepid uh, PA. Uh, Richie Bristol, hello sir. How right, are you today?
13: Oh, I got gas.
5: Gas <laughs> or gas? I'm gonna quit asking no. that question.
3: No. Yeah, My stomach true. hurts. It
1: opens the window to the back.
3: lifting up heavy trees. Why does your uh, stomach hurt? What have you been putting into it? Uh, see, so I had a TV dinner this morning for breakfast. <laughs> Wow. Uh, so, wait, let me understand this. I had cereal for dinner, and you had a TV dinner for breakfast.
6: I had a hot dog.
5: Chicken, fried steak.
3: Really?
6: <laughs> chicken <laughs> fried steak. Really?
3: Chicken fried steak out of a TV dinner box for breakfast? Well, you eat chicken fried steak with eggs and stuff, right? Nah, so no, bacon no, 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 on. no. That's a, no,
5: no, that's a good point. No, that's, <laughs> that's fair. Uh, all right, so is that the only reason you have gas today? Has it been something else into your body that's bad? Yeah. What?
3: I, I, I don't know. Yes, you do. Uh Peanut butter. Sometimes I eat peanut butter with a spoon. Are you a child? <laughs> I <laughs> mean, don't get
5: me wrong. I mean, if you
3: are, that's fine.
1: He has a giant tub of of rice with like those huge chunks of chicken in it too. Oh, Seriously,
3: yeah. Richie,
5: some, Tim, have you ever eat, seen the bowl out of which he eats sometimes? I have not. No. Richie brings this lunch. If, you a know, mixing those, bowl. You know what those things they sell at KFC? Uh, you know, it's what Patton Oswalt calls the uh, the failure pile and a sadness bowl. You know, but I mean, they're actually pretty good. The, the, the you know the KFC bowl is just like a bunch of stuff piled into a bowl. Richie Bristol. Will bring in a bowl like that, but it's huge. I mean, it's like it's ma- It's like the size of a mixing bowl, and in there was like five pounds of rice, and then just some like flanks of meat, and then just some steamed vegetable crap, and just shoved in there and just swirled around, in the and he just shoves it into his mouth.
3: I'll you eat can it make for, so much food. I eat it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner out of the same bowl. I just it's, eat the whole. That's do, like my day. A rudimentary gruel. What? Do you rinse
1: the like you eat all, the whole bowl? You, and you then? clean
3: the bowl between meals, and no, I just put food in and eat again. Just kidding, yeah. And then you get a savory mix of flavors. Yes, I do. All
5: right. Anyway, so you're on 26 last night. What's on?
3: Uh, 11 o'clock at night. And it was uh, raining, night. winding, whatever? Oh, it was, man, it was hitting. I, don't, I was talking to him oh. too about it. And you know how rain is subject to gravity, mm. and it usually just falls at a certain speed? Yes. But this rain is pounding down, straight down, like it's going faster than gravity could ever pull it. And you don't think wind goes straight down, right? Uh-huh. And so, anyway, it's 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 like blowing the truck all over the place. I'm with my friend Dan, and we're going all of a sudden. There's a tree across the highway all the way into a our full lane. full-on tree. It was across the other lane all the way into our lane, and we kind of swerved to go around it. And we were thinking a minute. We're like, man, somebody's going to come around the corner and just smash into that because it was right. around a corner. A yeah, blind
5: corner. Yeah, and it
3: was a blind corner, and you can't see because of the rain and the fog and all yeah. this other stuff. So we decided we just pulled over, turned back around. He... Ram the tree to see if we could ram it off the road. <laughs> <laughs> oh, your first solution is to just hit it with your car as fast as you can.
5: That's so great. we
3: tried to push it off the road. That didn't work, so we, we went down the street a little bit and we got out. And I'm wearing my Crocs, of course. With of course. socks though. Yes. But it's raining and I'm soaking wet. And we can't see and I'm using my iPhone for light. And we're just hoping that no car comes and basically we just Lifted the tree, and there was like three pieces of with it. With sort of a, with Dr. Bruce Banner type strength. Yeah, we felt for it. Well, I was more scared that a car was going to come, so we hustled and basically. You would have been hosed if a car had come around. Oh, yeah. And then we pushed it over the guardrail, and then we got in the truck and just went.
1: So, you quite literally put your own life on the line. Yep. Well, you a then we
3: her with the community. And then we saw three. Well, because we would have felt guilty if, like. Somebody had been killed later. Yeah, we were thinking, well, somebody's going to have to swerve into the oncoming lane right. to avoid
5: it. Oh, know? that's true.
3: And so we were like, oh, well. And so next thing you know, is three cars come right after we did it. Right. And we're like, oh, you don't even know. We just saved your life.
5: Well, Ed, but if you have been in the road just a little bit longer, they would have completely smeared you.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. But well, we, we figured they would have swerved because they would have saw the tree first. We stayed on this side. Well,
5: you're a much table. better person than any of us. We wouldn't have stopped. I would have gone
3: to the oncoming lane, swerved around it, and gone home and gone. <laughs> had my Frosted Flakes and gone to bed. So, uh, but I would have felt guilty. And then, and then yeah, I definitely should have worn my Crocs yesterday.
6: <laughs> you know, I love the idea that
5: you're on on the rain-slip 26, trying to move a tree in the dead of night. It's all pitch black,
3: and you're wearing, like, soft, rubbery Slippery. shoes. Will
1: you get rid of the Crocs now?
3: Yeah, you have to burn those things. No, I gave up. I'm giving up. You're I'll... giving them up? No, 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 no. Like you said, he said it's a sign of somebody giving up. It's just like, oh, a, okay. So you're just gonna grab your I'm not gonna, I'm gonna let you give
1: up. up. Look, you, you're a catch. You're like out saving people's lives and stuff. <laughs> no, come on,
3: Richard, come on. <laughs> you're not just attractive.
5: You're heroic. <laughs> All right. Justin, like, how can you
1: be heroic in Crocs? Next time you might slip. That's in the true.
5: What if the news had interviewed you and you had the news is like a local man in Crocs okay. saves thousands by. All
6: right. Well done, Richie. Okay. All right. Thank Congratulations. You. All right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And because struck. of Richie's efforts, nobody was injured on Highway 26 last night. We should demand Minnesota.
5: recognition from the community for this. We should or name
6: do- that portion of the highway after him.
5: Exactly. We should call the mayor's office. Don't call the mayor. Uh, we should... Uh, the
6: Richie Bristol Freeway.
5: We should dem- have some sort of press conference where we demand that the city bow down before Richie. Mm-hmm. Here's Tim Riley.
6: As it should be. So moving on to do other local stories, so it's going to rain. Uh, This is Albany. Two separate videos of two teenage girls having sex with an 18-year-old boy have been found on a seized laptop by another 18-year-old boy. The girls who were 16 and 17 at the time of the recordings were unaware that they were being filmed until the deputies told them. The investigation started with a tip from a Lynn County teen who heard rumors of the videos existent and called the sheriff's office for information. Based on the telephone call, detectives contacted Jesse Thomas Strickland, who's 18, who, uh... Uh, consented to, for a search of his laptop, detectives uh, located two separate videos of Strickland uh, showing another teen, Andrew Pig, having sex with two girls.
5: I'm so confused. Who was filming what?
1: How old was the kid?
6: 18. And the girls were what? 16
1: and 17. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right.
6: So the person having sex with the girls is Mr. Pig. <laughs> Uh, Pig secretly recorded the girls uh, using a camera built into the top of their laptop computer.
5: Always oh, put the laptop in the closet.
6: Or put a band aid over the little hole in the laptop. Yeah. The videos are about forty minutes in length. They show Pig. Forty minutes?
5: Yeah. Wow. Impressive. That's impressive for a high school kid. It is. I mean, it's wrong, but well, I mean, they, still.
6: They, they even show them setting up the camera. So
5: oh, it, well, it includes it, setup and teardown time. Yeah. Never mind. That. <laughs> the show that—that's just you know—that's just a uh, that setup and striking of the of the set. Uh, Probably the show is probably 90 seconds.
6: So the pig boy is charged with two felony counts of using a child in a display of sexually explicit material. Felony encouraging child abuse in the first degree invasion of personal property, tampering with a witness. Okay. A 26-year-old grad's past woman cried her eyes out in court as she apologized to her grandparents for setting them up for a burglary that left their RV in a jaguar in the river. Andrea Yates. Not the one you're thinking of. Andrea Yates. Andrea Yates. This is the Oregon Andrea Yates. I see. They're franchising.
5: Correct, yes.
6: (laughs) She has been sentenced to 20 days in jail and a $104,000 restitution for her role in theft from her grandparents Homer and Dicey Yates. The burglary drew attention in southern Oregon when the vehicles were dumped over a 200-foot cliff into the road river along with a van. It took a full day of salvage to find the wreckage. Oil and gas leaked into the river that stretches into a designated wild and scenic route. She's uh, blaming her activities on methamphetamine use. A new study on obesity in America puts Oregon in the middle. 29th. We're the 29th fattest state in the country. This from the American Health uh, Report. It says about 25% of adult Oregonians are obese. About 60% are either overweight or plain old obese. Wait a minute.
5: Uh, So there are actually... I mean, look, I'm not like a picture of health or anything, but you're saying there's actually 28 states that are fatter than Oregon? Yes. Because Oregon there's some large people in this state mm-hmm. so there's 28 yeah all
6: right now i haven't traveled to all the states so i i can't tell you how obese they are
5: i mean i guess we have only i guess we have only their word uh you know for this but i mean it it doesn't well whatever okay
6: so nationally adult obesity rose in 37 states in the past year no states are a decrease. oregon's rate is up for the third year in a row congratulations we are getting better but the Oregon rate of type 2 diabetes a disease typically associated with obesity did not rise although it did in 26 other states. The study uses data from phone surveys conducted by state health departments. Where did they get the information?
5: I don't know. I don't know. They it's could just,
6: lie and make themselves look good.
5: I was just wondering if wondering if we win the prize, you know, if we, like we increase for seven or eight years in a row if we win if we win a prize like a bag of cookies or something.
6: A man helping drivers confronted with a closed street due to road construction near the homes, was suddenly struck by a speeding car that drove off through the road close sides. Now, why on earth would you want to drive through a road close side? It is closed for a reason. You're going to get hurt. Uh, Jim Norris, who witnessed the incident, said the man who was hit was identified only as Travis. He was giving drivers detour information at the site where construction had closed down southeast 174th near southeast Powell. Norris said a car going about 50 hit Travis and then continued driving past the barricades and through the construction zone. Witnesses tried to chase the vehicle without success and could not get a license plate. Wait, now, see, the, the guy who got hit, was he a construction worker? It doesn't say, it just said he was giving uh, instructions. Mm. So maybe he was. Multnomah uh, well, County Sheriff's Deputies investigating the crime said the vehicle is described as a dark colored four door sedan, possibly a Ford Taurus or Dargin Trefford. Uh, let's see here. So uh, that's on the zone at this time.
5: All right. I was just, I was, I was toying whether or not to read this email uh, when you were talking about the obesity thing, but I think I will. Uh, I will remove. I will remove the uh the pertinent name uh because I have only this emailer's word to go on. I, I wasn't there. Now this person who sent this to me is a good friend, and I, I have no doubt in my mind that he's telling the truth, I would bet my bottom dollar on it. Uh but that being said, I wasn't there, so it's hearsay. So I will remove the pertinent name. I will uh I will refer to the person in the story only as another prominent Portland talk show host. And I think we all know who we're talking about.
1: Oh, the millions of choices.
5: This email says, "Uh, Rick, I'm in Vegas right now for a week. This morning, other Portland talk show host was on my flight. He was right in front of me as we were boarding the flight. Uh, He and another... He, his wife, I assume, and another couple were in front of me talking about how cramped airlines are. I wrote these next quotes down, Rick, so I wouldn't forget them. This... Other prominent Portland talk show host said, quote, "One of these times when I fly, I'm gonna fly poor man's first class." He then explained, "That's when you buy the seat next to you, so you have extra room. It's still cheaper than flying first class." He then said the uh, he then said the money line, Rick, which is, "I quote, well, according to government charts, I'm obese. Maybe I should just go to the airlines and tell them it's my right to occupy the seat next to me as well." End quote. I was flying by myself and started laughing uncontrollably. I'm sure it seemed really strange. He just sort of gave me a look and kept on yapping. Thank you. So there you go. So that is, uh, oh, and then said, P.S. Damn you, Bloodrock was going through my head the entire two-hour flight. All right, so. Oh, my uh, God,
1: I'm flying in two days after just hearing that.
5: We'll have to play that tomorrow. So that's uh, So that's a listener of ours who was sitting behind another prominent Portland talk show host on a plane when the talk show host identified himself as being obese and was wondering if he could get the second seat for his girth. Uh, here's Tim Riley.
6: Meanwhile, uh, police have arrested a man on suspicion of leaving child pornography in a library bathroom and putting a hole in the divider between stalls. Jonathan Jennings is in custody, accused of leaving child pornography in the men's room at the Tualatin Public Library. Police said they arrested the homeless man at the Tualatin Community Park after finding his fingerprints on the pornographic picture that the library worker found. Uh, police said his fingerprints were also on child pornography that was found in the park earlier this month. When he was arrested, police say they found a, uh, a hole in the divider of the stalls in the bathroom of uh, Tewaldon Community Park that had previously been repaired and reopened. He's now in Washington County Jail facing uh, charges of encouraging child sex abuse and criminal mischief. Well, we've been talking about those uh, bikini baristas that are all over the place, and apparently some people are trying to take advantage of these young ladies. A man dressed in women's underwear and exposing himself, drove up to the espresso stand in Parkland, Washington, three times before one of the baristas threw a cup of boiling water at him. Good for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see. uh, Janie Fadok, a bikini clan barista at Java Girls, says she first thought the man was dressing in woman's underwear and exposing himself as a sick joke until he came back several times. The first time, he came to the window, and he was wearing a white bra and white panties and touching himself inappropriately. Oh, wow. The second time... That's
5: a bad way to start your day. I mean, really, you're already out. I mean, look, I understand they take those jobs voluntarily or whatever, but I mean, you're there and you got your cans hanging out and it's probably cold and you're working for, you know, however many uh, dollars an hour and you got to deal with creepy middle aged guys coming up and going, hey, hey, what size cups do you have of coffee? Uh, and then you get some guy coming up and he's, uh, he's taken out of business and wearing a brassiere. I mean, that's just no good.
6: Well, part two. Then he comes back a second time. He has underwear over his face. He is wearing, he's wearing hot pink panties now. On his face. With hot pink panties.
5: That's great.
6: And uh, the underwear he is wearing, it is all over his face, and there's a little peephole so he can see. He's cut peepholes out of the underwear. So the woman and another barista were working around 9 a.m. when the uh, the incident occurred. They tried to get a look at the man's license plate, but uh, let's see, the top was covered up by the women's underwear. That doesn't make sense. Uh, When the man came back a third time, one of the baristas took a cup of 220-degree water and doused him with it.
5: Excellent. Finally
6: opened the door and threw boiling water in his face and his chest. And he said, oh, yeah.
5: (laughs) Maybe that's what he was angling for the whole time. Maybe he was just wondering how many It's like how many licks does it take to get to the center of the Tootsie Roll Pop? Maybe it was like, how many times do I have to antagonize these girls before they inflict pain on me?
6: So, apparently, this is a brand new thing in Pierce County, Washington. They're seeing more and more incidents of indecent exposure as more of these drop-up coffee stands open. Many staffed by women uh, dress provocatively or barely dressed at all. It's like they're asking. All right. I don't think we can make a, a quid pro status that there is uh, something like this causing effect. They certainly don't deserve that behavior. But uh, they do have uh, some of these stands that have been uh, victimized by these activities, says uh, Sergeant Jerry of the Pierce County Sheriff's so Department. So we
5: can look forward to this sort of crime coming to Portland as well.
6: Apparently, this is all starting in Washington. All right, all right then. That's that. Uh, then we have the funeral director arrested on the job in Lincoln City. A funeral home driver uh, called to remove a corpse from an investigation seen in Lincoln County. was arrested over the weekend. Uh, Gary Bauer appeared to be under the influence of intoxicants when he showed up at the scene to pick up a dead body. He'd been called to an apartment complex to remove the body after the investigation had been completed. He failed a field sobriety test and was taken to Lincoln County Jail, where he registered a 0.06% blood alcohol content. And uh, his bail was sent at $7,500. Under Oregon law... You can be arrested on a DUI charge if you appear to be under the influence of liquor or any other controlled substances. my well, I thought we all knew that. And that's that.
5: Time for Corpse Watch. Here's your Corpse Watch for uh, Wednesday on the Rick Emerson radio program. I'm digging
13: a Digging a phone. I'm digging up bones.
6: Well, first of all, it turns out that this U.S. Congresswoman is not a corpse. Uh, The mainstream media reported U.S. Congresswoman Stephanie Tubb-Jones died from a brain aneurysm. Then we find out from Lisa Desjardins that she's still alive but in critical condition. Well, she's probably not, I mean, I hate to be morbid, she's probably not going to come back because they, I guess it's a, that's a
5: bad, I I mean, I don't know anything about brain aneurysms, but I mean, if it was bad enough that they thought she was dead, Mm. and now she's been upgraded, I mean, if you've been upgraded to critical but um, you were see, dead. Now you're alive. Yeah, I mean, it seems like that maybe is a that's a bad road to be on. But I mean, that's that it is. It does make you wonder exactly how those miscommunications happen. I mean, I know that she's in a bad way, and a brain aneurysm is a serious thing. Yeah. But I mean, dead and alive are two very different things. One is dead. One is alive. So I do wonder if that's a where they had the two stories written, or they had the obituary already, and you know, did somebody just lean forward with their elbow and hit send at the wrong moment or something? Uh,
6: part two. Then we have the premature baby who was pronounced dead They came back to life after five hours in the hospital. The baby girl was in the cooler, suddenly sh- showing signs of life, and was being tested in the premature baby unit. The doctor estimated that the cooler brought the fetus back to life. The mother from a western village in uh, some country. Some place. Some place that's uh-huh. not very important. Uh, was in her fifth month of pregnancy. She underwent a series of tests, during which it was discovered that she was suffering from internal bleeding, and the fetus uh, had ceased to show signs of life. The woman underwent an abortion, and the baby weighing uh, 610 grams was extracted. The senior doctor pronounced the baby dead, and she was transferred to the cooler. Five hours later, the woman's husband came to the hospital to take what he thought was a dead baby. When the baby was taken out of the cooler, she began to breathe. Oh, that's creepy.
5: It's a zombie child.
6: She's now alive. Uh, Part 3. The living girlfriend charged with murdering her boyfriend called police Wednesday night to confess to the crime. "Uh, Hello, I need an officer at Fifth Oak Avenue, said 42-year-old Joanna Hull, calmly telling the police dispatcher. When the dispatcher asked why, Hull responded, I killed my friend. Later, she said, I got my confession all written down. Hull is booked into Middleton Jail on charges of murder, tampering with evidence, gross abuse of a corpse, and the death of Keith Payton, Following a court appearance, her bond is $265,000. They found Peyton dead in an Oak Avenue apartment after a Hull call 911. When officers arrived, she directed them to Peyton's body. While talking to the dispatcher, Hull said she didn't remember when she killed her boyfriend about a week ago, (laughs) give or take. Uh, The body was in a bathtub. I don't remember, she said. I know I killed him. I just couldn't take it anymore. She told the dispatcher that she uh, then tried to kill herself. I've been taking a bunch of pills every night to try to kill myself, and it's just not working. She was a small of 45 pills in one sitting, <laughs> and I'm still awake, she said.
5: Rasputin like ability to withstand death. All
6: so right. apparently, uh, Peyton died of uh, blunt head trauma. All right. Well, there you go. There's your triple corpse watch. We'll take a I'm
5: break. Back after fall, this, the Rick Emerson fall, show continues I'm next. Don't go anywhere.
9: Do
13: doing things that's better left alone.
6: Outstanding. That's wonderful. Uh,
5: It's 503-733-2970. Here's what's coming up later on today's program. CNN radio correspondent, James Roop, will join us from Los Angeles. Uh, Watch is still to come. Geek Watch, uh, double snuff watch, I think. Uh, The 2 o'clock hour, we'll talk to uh, to author Mark Cantor, author of Reckless Road, Guns and Roses, and the Making of Appetite uh, for Destruction. Uh, Let's see. We'll also do today's top five. Top five Guns N' Roses songs you won't hear on the radio as selected by the fine fellows in Appetite for Deception. Uh, let's see, MrSkin.com. Uh, MrSkin will join us uh, later on today and uh, so forth. Uh, this is Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth.
6: Well, the Amish population is on the rise. as yes, the Amish are expanding their presence in states far beyond Pennsylvania Dutch country where they originally settled. They're searching for affordable farmland to accommodate a population that's doubled. Uh, States like Missouri, Kentucky, Minnesota now see increases of their Amish population by more than 130%. The Amish now have 227,000 nationwide, up from 123,000 in 1992. At the same period, Amish settlements have been established in seven new states. Yes? I was going to ask a question. I have a logistical
5: question about the expansion of the Amish population.
6: How they got there?
5: Well, yes. Well, what's it? Maybe you could anticipate what my question was. I will let you. uh,
6: Well, uh, people, uh, the original white settlers to Oregon, at least Americans, arrived here by covered wagon on the Oregon Trail. So if you're wondering how they left from Pennsylvania and arrived in new states such as Missouri, Kentucky, and Minnesota, I would imagine it was the same way. This is sort of related to my question.
5: Uh, My question was going to be, okay, so you got, let's say, so there's more Amish now than there was, like, what, 10 years ago or whatever. Twice as many. Twice as
6: many. many. 130%
5: more. So here's my question. So... Uh, presumably that requires new land on which to live, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you can't keep putting the same amount of, you know, more mud in the same sack. Mm-hmm. So the Amish got to get new farms or new, you know, uh, whatever, you know, acres. Of, so they got to buy that property, which then begs the question, and I know that's the incorrect phrase, but it, it but oh, how do they get a loan? the question, well, uh, where does their money come from? Like, whence does Amish money derive? Like, what I, they... I
6: believe they help each other
5: out, don't they? Yeah, but I mean... But you can't just cre- – but, I mean, what does that mean? I mean, they can't just create money. Like, the I mean, Amish must earn money somehow. You, you can't buy land with beads anymore. Can I give they, you some butter for this they, land?
6: They do non-farming jobs such as construction or cabinet making that fit their values and allow them to remain independent in many ah. cases. Okay, no, that's true. That's right because
5: there is like – it's like uh, the Amish do make furniture. Yes. Uh, isn't that, who else
6: does this? Is it Shakers? Quakers? They used to candlestick be like makers? Yes. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, okay, no, that is correct. The Shakers used to, but the Shakers are no longer around. Do you know why the Shakers... And
5: this is completely true. There was a, The Shakers were a sort of extreme religious sect. Uh, in that, in it, New Hampshire. It flourished in New Hampshire and have now uh, kind of gone the way of the dodo. Do you know why that is, Tim Riley? Well, they all died out. Uh, uh, but do, do you know a bunch of old spinsters? But, well, the, the, they, they didn't procreate. That's exactly uh, what it is. The Shakers preached... How dumb is this? The Shakers preached a non-procreative lifestyle. You were not to have relations at all. So really, here's a little tip for me to you. If you're trying to grow your faith, having one of the tenets of your religion be that you can't have sex, wrong way to do it. So that was, a, that was sort of fire that kind of blew itself out. Mm-hmm. So, All right. Anyway, but they made some fine furniture, not Quakers. Quakers didn't make furniture. They made Richard Nixon. Here's Tim Riley.
6: That's correct. Uh, so that, that's the end of that. I don't even know, do the uh, Amish have a website? I guess they couldn't, if you're looking up information about the Amish. I don't know. Uh, well, Amish.com? That's, that's another question, is how, how do the Amish disseminate
5: information about themselves, or do they?
6: Well, even in Canada, they, they can't have even have buttons. Day day. I mean, for the love of God. So. Do they have their own post offices? I don't think, I, I would imagine they can receive mail.
5: We should totally... This is like how Like Us does that Ask a Mexican segment. We should totally do Ask an Amish.
1: But they're not allowed to use the phone.
5: Well, see, but I don't know that that's true. They're
1: allowed to use payphones that aren't on their property. Because when I went to Wisconsin, I remember there were lots of Amish people. I was obsessed with them, and they would be riding their horse and buggies like yeah. down the street. And they're allowed to have they're not allowed to have phones on their property, but you, you can have uh, the city put a payphone on the street that's not on their property, and they're allowed to go use that.
5: As I understand it, uh, I had a good friend who grew up in Lancaster, and Lancaster is like right there in the heart of uh, the Amishonia. And, as I understand it, this idea that the amish can 't have anything modern is not entirely true. The understanding I have is that the amish don 't have a problem with certain modern conveniences but the but there there 's a test the, the, the sort of the dividing line is this. Does the modern convenience A contribute to a sin such as vanity, which is why they can't have buttons because they believe that's why they have to have the hook, the hook thing on their clothes because buttons are vain. So does the does the item contribute to a sin such as vanity or does the item contribute to the divisiveness or division of the family? That is why the Amish can't have a radio or television, because then you just sit there and you're just staring at a box or whatever, uh, and you're not talking to your, to your family members. So, as I understand it, you're allowed to have certain conveniences, like a refrigerator. You just can't have things uh, that cause the family to become divided or that lead you to engage in a venial or mortal sin. That is sort of the uh, – that's the distinction, as I understand it. Well, well they
6: do my... have a website, but it is not maintained or created by the Amish <laughs> themselves. It hasn't been updated since 1805. So I guess they can have
5: MySpace too. This uh, this website has been visited no times.
6: Uh, let's see
5: here. We've got some, uh, some Amish calls. I should have expected this. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. This is me. Yes, it is. Hello, sir.
9: Hello. Uh, this is Chris from Salem. Rick, Tim, sir. Hello.
5: Hello. Hi. Yes.
9: Hi. Uh, you have a question about what the Amish do for money? Yes. Uh, they work in factories. A lot of them. And a lot of them don't farm anymore because there's not enough farmland. So they actually go out. There's a lot of RV factories, mobile home factories. Furniture cabinets, and that's what they so do. So they
5: go out and they work among the English, and then they just go back to their homes at night.
9: Yes, yeah, where they have these these big, you know, 15, 20 passenger vans that shuttle them back and forth. They <laughs> they can a micro a bus full of
5: that. Amish. <laughs> yeah. What is a group of Amish called? I mean, it should be, I know that it sounds like a bad stand up oh thing, my. but I mean, it's the oh Amai. Uh, oh all right.
9: It's a, it's a sticky bundle. I don't
5: know. A sticky bundle of Amish. <laughs> okay. Do you yeah. have any other information to share with
6: us, sir?
9: Uh, that
6: is about it. All right. May the good Lord bless you and keep you.
9: Okay. One more thing, Rick?
6: Yeah.
5: Yeah, all right. Thanks. I, you know, I oh, love did it. did you know that
6: Amish dolls have no faces?
5: Creepy. That's creepy. So they're like the cover of the, like the paperback cover of The Shining. Mm-hmm. Just like a big silvery glow, like Cobra Commander. Amish dolls have no faces? That's
6: correct.
1: Why? Does it say why?
6: Uh, let's see here. Is it because, no, are you making I mean, that up? At an early age, children will learn not to have images, likenesses, or idols. Nah, I think you're confusing the Amish with Muslims. No, it, it's
5: from Exodus. I guess maybe no one does that. Is it it, it? it is linked to the Second Commandment. Yeah, all right. But That's just creepy. Don't you no think? dolls with faces. So you had so the, dolls the Second just, Commandment. Wait, but so why can the dolls not have faces, but can the dolls have articulated digits? This seems like a rather arbitrary decision. Mm-hmm. You know, God doesn't make any sense at all. It's just really just. Uh, it just, God is such a big bundle of contradictions uh, Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show
12: Hi Rick, it's Mike Chase how Hello sir, how are you? I'm well, Sarah, are you going to New York tomorrow?
1: I'm going on uh, Friday night
12: uh, I was just there, my lovely wife We were just there and we stayed at the Soho Grand And guess who was having dinner right next to us? Who, who? Spike freaking Lee Really? Yeah, it was cool
5: That's pretty cool did, did, you, did, you
1: did you leave him be or did you say
12: something?
5: Did you, did you speak to him?
12: No, um, didn't say a word to him but the next night, we were coming back from dinner, and um, I was doing some pull-ups in the staff up around there because we are doing all these building refurbishments. And uh, we were with a couple of friends, and no pull-ups but me, so everybody started doing push-ups. And my wife was wearing a dress, and her friends were a dress, doing push-ups. You know, imagine New York City doing push-ups, wearing a dress, and Kiefer Sutherland was by. Really? And he goes, That's an attractive side, i got to tell you. (laughs) I said, hey, Kiefer Sutherland, how are you? And we started chatting and stuff. And he had just come from the Letterman Show, which we had seen the night before, and got to talking a little bit. And, you know, he has the radio, and he goes, hey i got a record label we got to talk you know that kind of stuff but it didn't go but it was just kind of cool and that's what's great about new york obviously is that kind of stuff can happen you know anywhere anytime you know new york city Man, i'm
5: so excited the uh, the author eric pagosian made this great statement about about new york city one time he said that living in new york city was like being inside some continuously ongoing live action role playing game where you really you just never knew what was around the corner maybe it was Kiefer sutherland maybe it was a guy who was going to steal your bone marrow i mean you could just right. never really tell so what right. what brings you to the phone today sir
12: uh, well, you're talking, my, my aunt was in town last week, and we just happened to be talking about the Amish, and I think the other guy that was just on may have made the point, but just to put a little finer patina on it, um, she told me that the, the Amish people do work in factories, but specifically the Amana Radar Range factory, that your Amana Radar Range was probably made by an Amish guy, and I just found that funny. That's And, so, and, and my aunt's a really, you know, respectable woman, real educated woman. She wouldn't just pull this out of her hat, so I, I
5: believe that. That's fantastic. I really, see, and I'm like you, I like to know sort of uh, fundamentally useless yet fascinating bits of information such as that. All right. right. Have you seen the the documentary Devil's Playground?
12: No, but I saw Man on Wire. Did you see that?
5: Man on Wire. What is that?
12: Oh, my God. That's such a great movie. It's like such a well-told story. It's it's a documentary about this guy named Philippe Petit, or some French guy that... He, You know, he did the wire across the World Trade Center towers back in the 70s. Oh, he right. All, he, he snuck all of his gear past security and got up to the top of the World Trade Center towers just after they'd been built. And then he got a high wire act for 45 minutes, walked across the towers, and, you know, stunned New York. And, and then and then he, they came down and he got arrested. He was like a folk hero for all this time. And so they told this whole story about how he got his equipment up there. But they showed footage of how the World Trade Center towers were being built from the ground up, which was the creepiest thing to watch, knowing what happened to him in right. the end. So you're watching him go up, and then you imagine him going down. It's really
5: strange, but a great movie. All right, I'll watch that. Having having heard that description of that movie, let me share with you Devil's Playground, which is a pretty... It is
1: messed up and very interesting.
5: It's a great documentary because there is, uh, and I'm going to mangle the pronunciation probably, but there's this thing that all the Amish kids do when they turn 16, and I believe it is pronounced Rumspringa, uh, which is like where you are supposed to go out and live among you know the English, the, the non-Amish. Uh, you're supposed to go out and, and drink deeply from the cup of life, and I don't know booze and horror or whatever. And basically, just go out and do all the stuff you're not supposed to do as an Amish, just so you can ha- make an informed decision about whether to return and live the rest of your adult life in the Amish community. So, right, yeah. so they track yeah. a bunch of kids uh, as they go out and they just sort of live in the, wherever the hell they go, uh, and then they decide whether or not they want to return to the Amish community. So it's a, it's a good film. I strongly recommend it, sir.
12: All right, I, it's, it's fake. So all those like the. The Amish and the Mennonites and the and the Quakers and all those guys, they are all Anabaptists, which means they don't believe in the original sin, so they don't get baptized right away, as if they were born dirty. You know, they have to go out and make a choice later on about being baptized and committing to God and all that kind of stuff. So that's probably what that's born from.
5: Yeah, probably. See, and I'm a, I'm a Catholic, so I was just a, I was just flawed and doomed and damned and corrupt, like from the very beginning. So you know, <laughs> right. it's a, all right. Thank all you,
6: right. sir. Sure. Have fun in New York, sir. It's good to talk to you. Thanks, did you, Mike? There we go, Mike Chase, ladies and gentlemen. Here's Tim Riley. All right, so we're done with the Amish. Yes, I believe we are, Tim. Okay, let's talk about other things then. Uh, passengers traveling coast to coast on some American Airlines flights can now use the Internet. This passenger said Aircell's GoGo service is uh, very helpful.
3: It provides true broadband mobile Wi Fi
6: service, including email, Internet, VPN access on Wi Fi
3: enabled devices such as laptops, PDAs, and smartphones.
5: So, this is what airline? American. Wait, is American Airline the same? Are they the ones that are screwing us on something? Is this like the offset of screwing they just gave us? I don't think so. Didn't they start... What, what was the airline that was going to shaft us like $7 for water or something just a week ago?
6: Was it American? I don't remember. I don't know. There
5: was some airline. Maybe it it's like all American the or United. Probably all of them. And let's be honest. Eventually, they'll all, they're all going to pile on... JetBlue's
1: charging for extra bags. I was looking at their policy. See, and today. I thought
5: JetBlue... I mean, JetBlue's a little pricey to begin with, though, aren't they? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're a bit of a luxury airline, so... So this is, you know what it is? This is, uh, this is what magicians call misdirection. About, Look at this bright shiny object. Ugh! And then they're just giving you the big kick right in the wallet. So uh, $5 for a blanket.
6: All right. uh, this passenger is enjoying the new service. We understand that broadband connectivity is important to our customers, particularly our business travelers, so that they can stay connected in flight using their Wi-Fi devices. Hey, that's not a passenger. They were misidentified. Yes,
5: that was a little bit of fibbing they did right there. Uh, let's see, Rick. I'm only speculating, but considering at one time the Amish didn't appreciate getting their picture taken.
6: That's true. They still don't. Really? Yeah. My dad asked me to go up to the Amish family and ask if I could take pictures. When he went, you so be... because he said I talk for a living <laughs> and, and therefore I'd be able to f- pull this off. And plus, if the
5: Amish guy snapped and started beating somebody, he wanted he wanted you to take the blows for that. Uh, she says, could it be because they feel that giving it a face gives it a soul? Well, no. That just seems. I mean, even for religious folk, that seems too superstitious. I think it might be just like a no graven images thing. Yes. Right, because that was that whole thing about, remember, leading up to, uh, I mean, even before 9-11, there was that whole nut casery in Afghanistan where the Taliban were blowing up those Buddhist statues that were like a billion years old because they're like, blah, 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 graven image under the Lord, blah, 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 made up crap, blah, blah, blah. Uh, So, I mean, and so they were like blowing up these ancient artifacts or whatever. So,
6: why don't the Taliban have an Olympic team? (laughs) Seriously, if you want to find enemies... The beat in the competition. <laughs> really, we ought to recruit them. You mentioned the, the Taliban on the box of Wheaties. wait <laughs> a Probably not.
5: Man, I gotta just—I gotta fight the jokes back down. Sometimes it's like when you're trying not to throw up, and you gotta go, "Don't puke, don't puke." I got—I got so much uh, comedic bile rising up right now, and I gotta shove it right back down because then none of the jokes are appropriate. I will bring them back. No, no, no. Let me just stop for a second and take a sip
4: of water, and then I'm gonna—I'm gonna
5: take that thought and run with it. Just a moment. Hold on. Yeah. Uh, all right. This, this is a great idea. For, see, because, you know, not to go back on the Tropic Thunder thing, uh, but let me go back on that for just a second. So I saw Tropic Thunder last night, big disappointment. Uh, not entirely bereft of comedy, but largely bereft of comedy. I mean, it really was like, it was like rooting through a trash can looking for diamonds. I mean, you know, or, or L's or whatever those things are. Um, it, I would say there's like a one, one laugh out loud for every 11 minute, you know, the, the movie ratio. So, but... They were trying to position Tropic Thunder as being this sort of like dark comedy where it was sort of this, you know, kind of like the player with uh, Tim Robbins, which I think is maybe maybe one of the finest satirizations of the Hollywood movie system ever ever created. And they were really trying to position, no, 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 what we're going to do is we're really going uh, really to take a bare-knuckle approach to some of the excesses of Hollywood. And we're really, really going to deconstruct the whole thing and whatever, blah, 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 which it doesn't work um, because none of the characters are believable. Uh, none of the characters, it's like they pick the safest targets you could possibly imagine. I mean, I was really going into it hoping that they were really going to take some of the things that that really are kind of silly or strange or uh, just sort of weird or pompous about Hollywood and really give them just a good once over. And there was really none of that at all. So it was kind of marketed as this merciless, take-no-prisoners prisoners comedy, which I think is solely now based on the fact that Robert Downey Jr. is playing a black guy and that they use the word retard a lot. And that, like, that somehow passes for edgy, insightful comedy at this point. It does not. Um, but what somebody really ought to do, Tim, somebody yeah. really ought to make a very black comedy where they try to recruit the Taliban to have an Olympic team because Olympic viewership, this is so genius. We should register with the Writers Guild like today. All right. And we should it, file this idea away like now. Uh, I'll be gracious and give you co-writers credit. So th- there, there ought to be some sort of a movie where they decide that the Olympic viewership is way down, and it's because the glory days of America facing off against the Russians in hockey. Those are over. The, you know, the, the, the glory days of America facing off against, you know, whatever, blah, 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 gymnasts. The, the path, there's nobody to root against. There's no villain. There's no arch enemy. There's no definitive foe. And so they try to get a terrorist organization like the Taliban or similar to enter into the Olympics just So that America will have a strong enemy to root against so that viewership will rise and everybody will make money. That's a great idea for a movie. That would be a legitimately uh, sort of spiky, barbed comedy if done right. That's a great idea, Tim Riley. You betcha. That's really one of the best ideas you've come up with this month. Are you listening, CBS? I'm just saying, uh, you know what? And that was a bonus right there. What you you know, yeah. the, you know the CBS says, Tim Riley, will you come and you do some news? Maybe make a pithy comment, uh, add a little balance to the, new, you know, the, the the program. And you come and you do that, but then just completely without even being asked, just as a sort of like as an extra set of comedic steak I don't have to be
6: asked. I know it's my duty.
5: You just, you know, you come and you just give, Tim Riley. You give and you give and you create ideas. I a, want nothing in return. A wealth. A comedic bounty of entertainment and musings is what you've given us. That's a great idea. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Does you. Afghanistan have an Olympic team
6: on it's KCMD cluster.
5: Portland? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know either.
1: Did you say Afghanistan? Afghanistan. I think they were actually not allowed to have a team.
5: Really? I, I, I Why is China that? allowed to have a team? Doesn't China drive over people with tanks? Yes, Never mind. they're the hosts, I suppose. Hey, am I, did I read this right? Is, is North Korea going to be hosting the next Olympics? Am I that's making that up? Crazy. It seems like I read some news story the other day about like can North Korea pull it together in time for the Olympics? Doubtful. I don't know if that's true or not. Well,
1: I guess Afghanistan does have a team. Really? But a very small
5: yeah, team. Yeah, they,
6: they kick uh, dead goats' heads, don't they?
1: <laughs> <I think laughs> that is a national.
6: Sport. That is we one of the sports where they kick
5: a dead goat around a field.
6: Well, we're not making that up. By else the way. Wanted to play. Really? A, that is what do you remember here?
5: Remember like in the in the early days of our war in Afghanistan, which I think is still ongoing even though no one talks about it. Um did we they were talking about, you know, you know what's kooky about Afghanistan's and one of their country sports? It's like Quidditch, but on the ground with a goat uh, and he's dead. Uh, it is kicking the body of a dead goat around a field. I mean, I'm sort of reducing it. I, I was going to say I'm oversimplifying it, but what else could there be to it? I mean, really? I mean, unless there's some sort of like difficult offsides rule to remember. So, all right. Anyway, everybody file this away. Afghanistan, Taliban, Olympics, foe, ratings, money. Bam. There you go. That's
6: a good idea. Here's Tim Riley. The man behind the Burger King bubble bath that got the employee fired at an Ohio restaurant is speaking out. Timothy Tangett decided to take a foamy bath in the chain's large stainless steel sink. A videotape was made and posted on the YouTube. Uh, It shows the heavily tattooed aspiring rapper cavorting to uh, a videotape. And one of them is heard saying, quote, tell everyone to grab some breakfast. The dishes are really clean. Taggart admits the stunt was stupid.
3: It was just a spur of the moment I did. Didn't think it would get this far. So, no, nah, I didn't really think it out.
6: All the employees involved were fired. Taggart said the Burger King scandal will boost his rap career. On Saturday, he and another uh, Ohio rapper, <laughs> M.D. Donalds, or M.C. Donalds, get it, recorded a song,
3: Sneak King. Now I get sponsors from soap and water. I'm in the dishwater floating in my boxers.
1: <laughs> was he talking or was he rapping? I don't know. I don't
5: know. I, this is Ohio. I, I lost the thread of his story. Like the
1: dishwater,
6: what? Wait,
5: no, is he a, a boxer? Is he a rapper named MC Donalds?
6: <laughs> no.
5: Or is it somebody Another else? Another
4: rapper
6: is named MC Donalds.
5: How did he enter into the story?
6: He is the, the fellow who was uh, in the sink taking a bath on the YouTube video.
5: Wait, but, okay, so the guy in the sink mm-hmm. is also... A rapper known as M.C. Donalds.
6: No, that's a different rapper. Okay.
1: <laughs> Who was just talking right now? That was Timothy no, no, no. Taggett.
5: No, no, no. Here, no. Here's my question. I can't believe I'm seizing on this point, but it's what we do. You have the guy bathing in a sink. Mm.
6: That, that would be Timothy okay. Taggett. Right.
5: How does M.C. Donalds enter the story?
6: Because on Saturday, Timothy Taggett and another Ohio rapper named, named M.C. Donalds okay. recorded a song named Sneak King.
5: I see, in which they're bathing in the thing. All right. What is the name of that soundbite? Tag
6: it. Zero eight two zero zero eight b
5: Tag it. 0, zero. all right. All uh, right. Let's see. 2008-B? Uh,
6: zero zero that is correct. Yes, that, that was the last uh, one. One.
5: That's, uh, this one. Now
3: I get sponsors with soap and water. I'm in the dishwater floating in my boxes.
5: Wow. Okay. By the way... I don't
1: understand if you're talking or rapping.
5: I don't understand either. Well, it's Ohio. Uh. As though that explains it all. And it does. I can't get past how genius that, that uh, Taliban Olympic idea is. That's yeah. that's really, really great. And, and if I mean you the, want
6: an enemy, that would be a great and answer. And the
5: jokes just write themselves. I mean I mean it, it, really, Nobody else has done it. That Taliban team is blowing up. That Taliban team is blowing up.
6: Somebody's going to steal it and run with it today. Uh,
3: well, whatever. That's fine. Clearly,
6: and it's fine if they do. It's
5: clearly not appreciated here anyway. Here's Tim Riley.
6: Uh, now, parents have to worry about their kids uh, coming home with more than a cold at school. There are 6 to 12 million cases of head lice every year in these United States. That's it. And, and head lice season is now and away. Dr. Jim Sears said head lice is transmitted from the sharing of combs, hats, helmets, scarves, headphones, pillows and other personal items.
10: Yeah, that's one of the reasons why it does spread so much through the classroom and uh, you know kids probably won't know they have headlights because there's usually no symptoms that you might you might have some itching, but usually there's nothing, Uh My kids so are just spreads it from child to child, and then the child takes it home and spreads it to their sister, brothers or sisters, and, uh, you know, it can, or even the parents. The parents can get it, too.
5: Well, kids are just covered in grime all the time anyway. Really, how can, how are kids supposed to discern one itch from another? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. My kids are just covered in filth all, most of their lives.
10: It's just part of growing up. Those are the things you've got to tell the kids, to don't share hats with your friends.
5: Okay. okay. First of all, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this because we're not kids, nor do we have kids. Uh, But so, if here's a dumb question I know it's disgusting, but if there are no symptoms, like I'm not saying you shouldn't get rid of it or whatever, but I mean, if there are no symptoms, like why does everybody get so bent out of shape about it? In other words, they don't spread a disease or anything, do they? No. I mean, and I hate that, and I hate to make everybody itch, but but don't you just have stuff living on you all the time anyway? Like in your body, just covered in things that are sort of crawling around on you? I mean, I hate to be awful, but is it that you watch the Discovery Channel? The thing where like here's some random guy up the street, and they put his hand under a microscope, and he's just covered in bugs. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm make, maybe I'm just maybe I'm maybe I'm just uh, conflating that with some sort of episode of Maybe I'm just having delirium tremens. All right, here's Tim Riley. Are there any further questions about? Headlights? No, because really, I mean, who wants to discuss headlights? It's bad enough that Sarah shares her toothbrush with people. Oh, okay. I
1: don't share my toothbrush with people. I have with my sister.
5: When now uh, you, you were saying other than your sister, is your oh, sister that... the only person with whom you shared a toothbrush?
1: Well, no, I mean like
5: boyfriends. See, I would just—I don't know. There's something about that I couldn't. But never... not,
1: but not like like some day a couple months, like long-term boyfriends.
5: I don't see that's the thing is that I, I don't think even with Lara, like I just don't. You know, I, there's no real reason for it. I just there's something in me that rebels. At the idea of using somebody else's toothbrush or letting them use mine. I don't know why that is.
2: Oh, if I don't have
1: one and you try to do that, like... I use my finger. I will it use doesn't my... do anything. It makes my teeth just feel fuzzy and
5: gross. <laughs> it makes my teeth feel fuzzy. Mm. Tim, would you ever share your toothbrush with somebody? No, never. That's what I'm... See, there you go. Tim is a right-thinking individual on this.
1: I'm not, not saying... So my th- sister, not yeah because, I mean, if I... If... Like, if I've forgotten my toothbrush when I go home and she's there, like, I'll use hers. So. I'm not
5: implying anything. I'm not saying she's a scurvy get, or anything. I they're like twins. I, maybe. I mean, you know, this is, this is not, she's a leper, but I just, there's something, I, I think it's or just, Chinese twins. I think it is like a, I don't know, it's not an OCD thing, but you know, whatever, it's just a thing. I think there's just a, there's a, I think there's a thing that maybe it gets drilled into you when you're a kid that you just don't. You don't do that.
1: See, for me. I don't think it was drilled into me because my sister is like, you know, my family, and it doesn't really matter. Like sometimes one of us would, we went on a lot of trips, and one of us forget
5: forget our toothbrush. So. I think the only way that I could ever be uh, convinced to use somebody else's toothbrush, like even once, I think I would just have to sit there and just. Mi- I think I would have to microwave it or just run it under hot water. Or something I thought, yeah, like that. Yeah, I hour. mean,
1: it's not like I just use it right away. I mean, like <laughs> take it, rub right right I out mean, glass. like you like take it with your thumb and like and like you know make sure it's really clean, like in a really hot water, and then I'll use it. All right. I don't yeah. use it. It's just like, oh, okay, just. Probably put toothpaste on it and then use
5: it. That's gross. Whole thing just the whole thing just, just towel it off. Whole thing just makes me uneasy. Here's Tim Riley,
6: an aging playboy playmate attempts to transform a group of misfit sorority girls into a competent college woman in the new movie The House Money. Oh man, I saw. I didn't
5: see the trailer. I fortunately missed all the trailers when I went to see Tropic Thunder last night. But I saw the uh, I saw the poster for that out in the lobby, and I was I was unclear. I couldn't tell what it was from the poster. It looks very much. The poster is just some chick. Dressed as a Playboy Playmate on a front porch. It looks like the poster for Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, kind of. Where the Playboy Playmate... What's her
6: name, Anna something?
5: I don't know. Who's the star, Tim?
6: It stars a young lady named Anna Ferris. Oh, right, yeah. I like her. She's the ex-Playmate who finds a new purpose in life when she stumbles upon a co-ed campus. She says she felt a little out of place. Working alongside real Playboy playmates featured in this motion picture.
14: It was really intimidating. I, I kept feeling like I don't belong in this crowd. They don't,
1: you know, all these girls are very, um, really hot and uh, confident,
2: and I, I felt really self-conscious. Oh, for please, sure.
6: is this another
5: hot celebrity chick talking? So and, pretty talking? talking just oh, I just feel fat and ugly.
1: No, she's skinny and blonde and tan, big boob. You know, seriously. Beautiful.
5: All right. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it's, you know, I'm not even, it's such a cliche, I'm not even going to comment on this point.
6: How did you prepare for your role, Anna Ferris?
1: I have to admit, I did very little to emotionally prepare (laughs) to play Shelly Darlingson. Um, (laughs) I guess she's always been in there somewhere. But I did work out, you know, I tried to, you know, I got some hair extensions or a lot of padding. Acting is hard. (laughs) I
14: guess that's the extent of my prep.
5: (laughs) See? Don't you, this is why. This is why I was so disappointed in Tropic Thunder. Because let's be honest, it's not like Hollywood really isn't isn't ripe for parody. I mean, there's any number of things about the celebrity system that really deserve to be excoriated and ridiculed in a merciless fashion. And that's kind of what I was hoping for last night. It just ended up being toothless. Uh, I mean, really. The. Uh, I mean, really. When when one of the strongest jokes in the film is that the the rapper's name is Al Pacino. I mean, you know, you're on sort of no. you're on thin comedic ice. That was a big, you know, that was a big laugh line for you yeah, most of the crowd last night. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hello, Tropic sir. Thunder. Hi, hey. Yes.
12: Um, what was your? I don't want to give anything
9: away, but what about the opening scene of Tropic Thunder? What'd you think?
5: Which which opening? Do you mean the the the, uh, the fake previews or the actual opening scene with the helicopter?
9: The fake
5: preview. Oh, the fake previews were great. That was, I was uh, saying earlier in the show, Uh, so you go to see Tropic Thunder, and it's about, you know, a handful of actors who are making a war movie in Vietnam and blah, 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 blah. And so they start with these, I think, three trailers for sort of fake movies that are theoretically starring, uh, you know, Ben Stiller's character. So it's like Ben Stiller, his name his, his name is Tug Speedman. That's his character's name. And it's like, you know, so it's like a bad sort of like diehard action movie, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So it's three fake trailers starring these alleged actors. And the trailers are really good. And that's kind of what made me pumped for the movie. I'm like, all right, I'm really going to see some great satire of the Hollywood system here. And then just the rest of the movie really fell flat after that.
12: That was genius, I thought.
5: Yeah, no, the trailers were great. If the rest of the movie had been as funny as the trailers, I'd be here singing a different story. Probably. All right. Special. Thank you, sir. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
11: Yeah, hi. I was uh, going back to your previous conversation about the Amish. There's a class at Merrillhurst called Amish and Las Vegas, and it contrasts the two um, you know, polar opposites of our culture, which is the Amish and then people who go all crazy when they go to Vegas. But I was going to tell you that uh, movie, The Devil's Playground, our professor um, actually is, like, immersed in all the al- Amish knowledge and stuff. And he met a bunch of the people that were in that movie and, and Amish people. And the, the kid that was busted for drugs in that
5: movie
11: mm-hmm. um, went into the Witness Protection Program. Really? Yeah, I just thought you might find that interesting.
5: Going from the Amish community to the Witness Protection Program has got to be maybe culture shock, maybe not. I don't even know. All right, then. And that's at Merrill Hurst.
11: At Merrillhurst is a oh. class. That's an awesome
5: class. Thank you. All right. Bye. Right, there you go. Merrillhurst University, one of our fine sponsors, by the way. Uh, oh, hey, wait. Speaking of nothing, hey, did I tell you about this bacon thing we got?
1: No, you said you had a bacon. I got thing. some. I haven't
5: seen it. I got bacon in the mail. Uh, So we'll get to that later on. Uh, We'll get to bacon later on. We'll talk to Mark Cantor, author of Reckless Road, uh, Guns and Roses, and the Making of Appetite for Destruction. Uh, We'll do the top five Guns and Roses songs you won't hear on the radio as compiled by the guys in Appetite for Deception uh, and uh, Jim Rope. Here's Tim Riley. Riley, Riley.
6: Let's do a penis watch. watch, watch.
5: Penis watch for for Wednesday. Take a
6: look
10: at my enormous penis. My troubles start a away. Ba, 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 I take a look at ba, my enormous penis. Elena, everything is going my
6: way. Ba, ba, ba. A Muslim man, this is Australia, uh, punched his girlfriend in the face when she refused his invitation to have sex by biting his genitals. Wesley Lawrence Clark uh, pled guilty in court to four assault charges and three breaches of domestic violence orders. The uh defense attorney told the court that when uh let's see oh this is really okay I'm trying to this is Australian <laughs> it's not written in uh, it's not written yeah. in English She declined not by speaking to him but by biting him in the genitals
5: well that would be a strong indication of a no
6: he is in considerable pain Uh the prosecutor said that uh, the man punched uh, the lady a number of times in the face He also uh told the court that it happened oh he also uh Punched and kicked the lady in the face and the ribs. He also admitted to uh biting her in the mouth as she sat drinking.
5: I don't is this like an Australian thing? Because the story doesn't make any sense. It
6: doesn't. It uh it has words and adjectives removed. Unless somebody is trying to translate Australian. Translated
5: from the original Australian.
6: Yes. Uh he also uh admitted to uh slapping his aunt Aunt Penelope Winkle twice in the mouth. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Slapping her with what? No, no, no. Is that code for something? Slapping his Aunt Penelope
5: Winkle? No, that is. Twice in a month? That's the
6: way it's written. What? Yeah. Well, anyway, the magistrate (laughs) sentenced Creek, who had already served 180 days in prison, to three months' imprisonment and two years probation. And this is
5: for slapping his Aunt Penelope Winkle.
6: Uh, And I guess his uh, girlfriend, who bit him, Mm. and the genitals. He asked her to? No, he didn't ask that. Part. Oh, see, that's what it sounded like. Yeah. No, no, no.
5: It sounded like that's how he wanted it. Like he was no, all oh, like, I
6: see. come on, give me a good biting now. No, 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 no. She refused his invitation to have sex by
5: biting his genitals. Oh. oh okay. Not to have sex by biting his... Okay. I thought you meant to have sex by biting. No. Okay. He wanted I'm to sure have sex, and rather than just say no, she gave him a good uh, a chomping. Yes. Then he gave her a good punching.
6: Then he slapped, uh, slapped Aunt Penelope Winkle twice in the mouth. Oh, pardon me, i got to go slap... Uh, I got to go slap that winkle. I'm going to be insane saying
5: that all the time. I got to go uh, I got to go slap the ant winkle. You'll uh, you understand if I'm not back for a few minutes. That's great. Is that the end of the story? I hope so. Thank God. There's your penis watch Take for. Jesus
10: uh, enormous penis. My troubles start away. Bow, bow, I
5: bow, a look at bow, my enormous
10: Everything is going my way.
5: Oh, by the way, we'll get to Jim Rupin' in just one second, and more from Tim Riley later on, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com, Top Five, Mark Cantor, etc. Uh I walked by Richie in his room just recently, and Richie was in there rubbing his stomach, and I said, What are you doing? And he said, Quote, I'm trying to massage the gas out. So you all might want to take a uh, might want to take a secondary route Why? to get to the kitchen. Why? do
1: you have to share that?
5: Because I don't want you to. Would you I rather? Want to, I
1: want him to remain a hero in my head that picked up the tree from Highway 26, not the guy rubbing gas out of his <laughs> stomach.
5: <laughs> well, how do you even massage the gas you out don't... of your stomach? <sighs> I mean, really, all you do is you just. Uh, hey, I have. a... Well, never mind. Never mind. Ask. No. Ask. No. Ask. Ask. No. Ask. Sarah, do you want me to ask? No. Yes. yes. Get it over. I life. can flip a coin if you'd like. No. I have you a... to ask. I'll go with him. It's kind of gross. Do you still want to know, Tim? Yeah. <laughs> Is this just because I'm going to say it, but you're not really going to be listening?
6: I'm listening right now. <laughs> I'm really not going to be listening. When did that occur? I am no
5: listening right now. I have this question. All right. I don't even know. Even even for this show, it's a little, uh, okay, then let's it's a little unpleasant. Okay. Let me think about it while we're talking to Jim Roop. Let's welcome him now from Los Angeles. Well, he reports the news as only he can do. Hello, Jim Rupp. Howdy, sir. Hi. How are you, brother? How's life?
13: I'm doing well, thank you. Life is great.
5: Oh, all right. Well, a guy uh, who I'd never heard of died, uh, but uh, but it was but CNN uh, d- decrees it w- worth talking about, and I guess he was. I guess it was kind of a big deal. Depending, I was saying earlier, if you're a Stone College student, uh, this is probably something that affected you quite a lot. So. It was a guy who was a member of the Dave Matthews Band, which in the Dave Matthews Band seems to be sort of one of those groups that you listen to at a certain stage of your life. Uh, you know, usually when you're spending a lot of time sort of hitting the bong and then maybe uh, rolling around on the lawn nude or something. <laughs> um, <and laughs> I, never,
13: I never was much of a Dave Matthews Band fan.
5: Well, I think that, in fact, I think Sarah actually said that you were a fan of the Dave Matthews Band in college. Uh, and then you sort of, Me? sort Was no. that you? Who no, was it that you were no, a fan no, of no, in no. college? Who was it that we were talking about that you said you were a fan of them in college and then as soon as you graduated, you were not interested? No, that wasn't me.
1: I think I was just making fun of all the sorority girls in my life in
5: college that were just it was great Dave how Matthews. vociferous you were just now no
1: i have I have actively loathed <laughs> Dave Matthews since he existed.
5: It was like I accused you of being a communist
1: no way, no, there were the Dave Never. Matthews girls in school, and there was me
5: no. but
13: I do know Leroy Moore. really could I just say, it was
5: like you you just squealed like you were in hot oil no, just now you
1: used to like describe those those like idiot girls who pretended at you know and at school that they liked music and you know the default was like either Jack Johnson or yeah no oh,
5: totally well I'm glad you clarified that because I've been carrying around in my head this idea that for four years you liked Dave Matthews God, no all right and I'm, I'm glad to know that really you've that's a little that was a little stain against your name that I can now remove uh, anyway, but yeah, so you go to college, uh, and, you know, and then you spend a lot of time wearing natural fibers and being lame. And part of that is listening to Dave Matthews. Uh, so that being said, he has proved rather adept at just milking that audience for all its worth. So, you know, it is a capitalist country. God bless him. Uh, but so this guy,
6: what did you say, Tim? Tim, what did you say Larry King called it? Larry King said he, he, uh, was killed in a TV accident, Larry <laughs> Leroy Moore. <laughs> he's trying to read out the teleprompter, which obviously was hastily assembled. <laughs> and Larry, Larry came. And I guess he was a, killed
5: in a TV accident. <laughs> fell on him during an earthquake. Which is a TV accident. That's. Uh, I love the idea that you know that, like you were crushed when John Larry's fell on you or something. <laughs> uh, so who was this guy and what happened to him?
13: Well, he's the sax player. He, first of all, it's it, it was a weird. It was it was an unexpected death. I think that's what made it news. He had this ATV accident back in June. He was released from the pretty serious. He was released from the hospital. Was to begin uh, physical rehabilitation. There was uh, another sax player has been filling in for him, so the concert wasn't canceled last night when he died. So they just kept on rolling. The show must go on. That's dedication. Yeah. Uh, but, you, you know, and everybody thought he was on the road to recovery, I guess. And then in July, he was readmitted to the hospital and then died last night or yesterday uh, from complications from his injuries. Not No real uh, statement has been released about the exact cause, nothing like that. But I do know who the guy is, and, and although he really didn't get much chance to to show off his talents, in the Dave Matthews band. I mean cuz he's sort of a background guy. Right. Um he he really is a good musician. I I've heard a couple of solos of his only because um I I've, today I've been searching a lot. They can't can't find a solo cuz Dave Matthews didn't obviously give him that much room to to expand. Right. Um but I, but you do know guys like that. You know, I'm a I'm a, a jazz guy anyway, so you kind of You kind of get to know names.
5: Well, a lot of times, you know, in bands like that, you can tell that they're just crack musicians. I mean, they're really good. You know, they're guys who really, really know it. But it seems like the irony of the music business is that sometimes those guys who are immensely talented just end up in these outfits where they're just given no—I mean, that's how the already about it—but really just no no room to really stretch out or to express themselves. And that's why you know a lot of those guys end up going to solo gigs or they do sort of side projects or whatever because they find a band that really pays the bills. Which you know, know, yeah, it's like you see a really really amazingly talented actor and he's just doing some crap on a soap opera. You know why? Because that's a, that's a steady paycheck.
13: Yeah. You know, well so that's that's the same thing with Moore. I mean, he could play just about any woodwind wood instrument it seemed. You know, uh, anything with a reed or. Or, or, or a flute, for that matter. Um, you know, because you, when you listen to some of the songs, you hear all the stuff in the background. Right. But uh, yeah, I, I guess really the newsworthiness of it, if, uh, aside from the fact that he was killed in a TV accident, um, <laughs> is is the fact that it was just unexpected. No one expected him to to die. And and I, I think too, it was kind of odd. I didn't I didn't report this really, other uh, otherwise other than just mentioning it. But I thought it was kind of odd that they didn't cancel the concert.
5: Um well I mean I guess there's there's two schools of thought there. One is the uh you know the the show must go on mentality. And the other is there's too much money at the merch booth uh, to 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 blow this out tonight. So uh it's going to roll on.
13: Yeah you know, also he's a founding member. He's one of the guys that started the thing with uh with Dave Matthews in Charlottesville, Virginia, I guess way back when in the in the mid 90s. Um, so, you know, it's just kind of sad when anybody with any talent dies because there are so few people out there with real talent.
5: <laughs> that really is true. And it's always the untalented ones that just live on forever, forever. <laughs> just a tedious eternity, just punishing the world with their blandness. I mean, these are all things we know to be true. Hey, uh, so while we got you on the phone, Jim, you. I got this uh, thing in the mail. Uh, we're going to open it now uh, on the air. I thought you might enjoy it. Our listener named Liz sent this to us. Uh, Liz, who lives in Camby, Oregon, uh, heard me talking about something on uh, on the air the other day. And you know, were you? No, it was Castenbaum who was on the phone with us. It, when I was I was driving to work one day, and I there was this this big like hefty bag, knotted up, and by the side of the road uh, on on the route that I take from home to work, and it had been there for like four days. And my wife and I kept saying, like, you know, that's a body. There's got to be a body in that bag. And I finally mentioned it on the air one day, and lo and behold, like two minutes later, some listener had picked it up, put it in the back of his truck, was pulled over into a park somewhere, it was going to cut it open on the air. And it turned out just to be some crap, just, to, you know, like some construction equipment. But this is how great the audience is. This is really the best audience ever. So the other day, I'm talking about, hey, you know, uh, somebody told me. No, I'm talking like Larry King. <laughs> somebody told me at the store they have pre-made bacon in a bag. And you know what? You know what I got in the mail today from listener Liz and Canby? Bacon in a bag right here.
13: Pre-made bacon in a bag. Two,
5: two yeah. different kinds. One from Oscar Mayer, one from Tyson.
13: Isn't, eat him that, up today? isn't that beef jerky?
5: Hey, that's a good point. Actually, I wonder if it's just beef jerky that they've just kind of dipped in bacon taste,
13: <laughs>
5: or whatever. You know what I mean? Infused with the great.
13: What, what is? You mean it's pre-cooked and, and in a bag, ready to eat?
5: Would you like to hear the description?
13: Please.
5: Uh, this is from uh, Oscar Mayer. Fully cooked bacon. No mess. No cleanup. America's favorite bacon is now easier to enjoy as a part of any meal. Stack on BLT and club sandwiches. Toss with fresh green salads. Toss. Stir into scrambled eggs. Layer in quesadillas. Mix into pasta. 100% real bacon. Fully cooked. Tastes great. So I think the deal is you can just... Oh, and they also sell pre-cooked Canadian bacon and sausage patties. So apparently you can just open this and just eat it right out of the box. Why? Um, th- th- why not? I think is the question, uh, Jim. Roof. Okay,
13: I guess that's let's true. Let's see, uh, and then I'll we got the. Uh, that.
5: Let's see, and they got the other one here. Uh, this is the Tyson resealable. Oh, this was great. She's actually opened this and had some. I think she's actually. I think she actually had a piece of this. Uh, would you like me to try the Tyson or the Oscar Mayer, sir? We'll try the Oscar Mayer. All right, I'm gonna open them right now. Sarah, do you want some? I'm good. All right. <laughs> wow, it's just a tray filled with bacon.
1: Do you heat it up or anything? Are you supposed to just heat it up? Well, Rick, look at
13: the instructions. <laughs> I'm,
5: gonna, gonna I'm, I'm, just, I'm not even going to. I'm going to eat it right out of the, right out of the bag. Uh, oh no! Are it,
13: you? Is it crispy looking and cooked and all that stuff? It looks
5: it... cooked. All right. all right. Hold on. Let me just. Uh... Oh
1: man. Oh, it's all stringy. Well, oh, it's bacon.
5: Oh. Ew. Oh wait! What do you? Would you become such a girl? It's just bacon.
1: It smells really bad.
5: That's ba- bacon. Oh. Bacon
13: does not.
5: You know what? Bad. This tastes just like bacon. I mean, I guess it is bacon. I don't know how they preserve it, though. That's not to think about it, probably.
13: All right, so there you go. So, Jim Rope... It's not overly salty or anything? It's just
5: well, I mean, patient. it's no saltier, no saltier than bacon. I mean, it's not like... That? I wouldn't say it's like your... It's not like your quarter-inch-thick applewood-smoked bacon that you're going to get at the butchers or something. But I'm saying, like, you go to, a, maybe you go to like, a like a greasy spoon diner or something. You, know, you go to, like, maybe a dive bar where they serve breakfast, and you say, hey, I'll take it. And she says, hey, Toots, uh, what kind of bread do you want with that? And you say, I'll take uh, wheat. And then she says, "All right, you want the you want bacon, or you want sausage links?" And you say bacon, and then they bring out the kind of uh, eggs, and then the sort of uh, you know the kind of greasy spoon bacon on the side, you know. And then the, like the little thing of Smucker's pre-prepared preserves. That's oh, the yeah. kind of bacon this is. Yeah. Uh... I don't know how much you got. Fifteen slices. So there you go. So when you ask ab- the price of that. Now, you know, I don't really know because God bless her, she just she just bought it and sent it to us. But here's the thing. So when you absolutely positively have to have bacon right now, you now have at least two choices. You go to Ralphs, you probably find five or six different brands of this. <laughs> this is really what separates us from Philistines and uh, savages, my friends. <laughs> is, is this right here pre-prepared bacon?
13: Well, yeah. i i had uh, uh a couple of days ago I had a uh, a white castle hamburger I've not had in a long time. How'd that taste well you know i i, I didn't miss it and uh <laughs> when I ate it, I thought I don't know why I just did this you know' it, it, they're, they're better at like four o'clock in the morning well, thats Can't the, eat thing. the middle of the day
5: oh no, there's a whole lot of food that is i mean yeah. we could do a whole show on this food that is better either at three a m or drunk or high or yeah. you know all three or some combination of the above and really bad good. Fast food is like that, and Sarah and I always talk about Dick's Bag of Burgers, which is in Seattle. Uh, there's one in Spokane too, uh, but the, in Dick's Bag of Burgers, which is just—I mean, it really is that. You go—I don't know how much it costs now, but you go and you get like yourself a big ass bag of hamburgers, which are. Terrible, but fantastic. So they're
13: like eleven cents each, you know. Seriously. And, and
5: it's like you wouldn't you wouldn't ever go to get one for lunch in the middle of the day. It would just taste awful. But somehow there's some sort of magical maybe it's like the moon has some sort of weird maybe there's some kind of lunar energy that is given off late at night that makes food like that taste better.
13: Well, because I remember just being just falling down drunk and, and thinking that was the greatest thing ever. <laughs> oh yeah. You know. And you were right. You were right, but only in only under those circumstances. Yeah. Yeah, right. like four o'clock in the morning, you're crawling home, stop because there's a white castle in every corner.
5: That's what I'm saying.
13: You know, just I'll take two of those, please.
5: Exactly. All right. Then how many do you want? How many do you got? That's right. <laughs> I used to just go to Del Taco sometimes and she'd be like, All right, hon, how many tacos do you want to make be- all. I'll take all of them. All of them. <laughs> I will take every taco you have made. Everything and she'd be like and she would kind of jerk a thumb up to the heat the heat rack thing and she'd be like well, I got to it. be like, put it in the bag. You just put it in a bag and ring it up. I'm going to eat all of it right now. So uh I love this country. Really, I do. I want to pick America up sometimes and just give it a big hug. You know why? Because of White Castle, pre-made bacon, and uh, Tim Riley. And Sorry. Dick's Bag of Burgers. Exactly, sir. There you all right, my friend, Uh enjoy your day. We will talk to you very soon. Thank you so much. All right, there you go. James Roop, ladies and gentlemen. Woo. That's what I'm saying. That's what makes us the greatest nation on earth, my friends. Bacon. Pre-cooked bacon, Tim, you can have that any time, day or night. You can go from not having bacon to eating bacon in, like, five seconds. I mean, it's all about how fast you can sprint to the cupboard.
1: My friend Brian just wrote me and said that he makes Bloody Marys with bacon in them. Oh, and that they're the greatest thing Of course. Ever.
5: Well, yeah, I would think that goes without saying. Mm, all right. Do you need some coffee, Sarah?
6: I really need to get some coffee. Tim, when we come back, do you have more news for us? I do. We'll find out what Ricky Martin and Clay can have in common.
4: Mm-hmm. okay
6: it's the Rick Emerson
5: radio program back after this with Tim Riley that's uh that's hitting the first post right there uh and more including Mark Cantor stay there
7: I'll uh,
4: bring your life
6: Back up. No, don't. Why, oh, I, hello? I forgot that happened. It I so dramatic. See, I made, I made myself a guest. <laughs> God, erase my brain. You took the
5: red pill. <laughs> Please, God, wipe my memory clean <laughs> and I will be your boy always. Uh, why, hello? It's the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503 <laughs> We were talking about. We were talking about a... So so everybody doesn't feel like they're left out. Uh, we were talking about a former co-worker of ours.
1: Former slutty co-worker. Oh, no, the other one.
5: Well, we started by. Right,
6: let's stop. Let's stop a, right now. She has a zest for living.
5: That she does, Tim. Uh, but that then led to a conversation about a former co-worker of ours. Uh, I don't even want to talk about it. Anyways... See, now, now I just don't even want to continue it. Anyway, it's 503 others. Seven three three two nine seventy. We were just talking about witnessing an awkward moment with one of our former co-workers. A thing that you should never see them doing. Seeing what no man should see. Uh, it's 503 By the way, listener Brian says, I just checked the uh, Tickets West website. It appears there's still tickets available for LA Guns, Faster Pussycat, Ooh. blah, blah, blah tonight. Uh, so maybe I might go to see Faster Pussycat. They were, you know, they're a pretty great band. It went a whole bunch of great songs. I mean, they had, I mean, just off the top of my head, we'll talk to Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com in a moment, Tim Riley. Uh, We'll do the top five Guns N' Roses songs you never hear on the radio, as assembled by the uh, guys in Appetite for Deception. Two o'clock hour, we'll talk to Mark Cantor, author of Reckless Road Guns N' Roses and the Making of Appetite for Destruction. Uh, Faster Pussycat, off the top of my head. uh, Bathroom Wall,
6: Cat House,
5: House of Pain, uh, Poison Ivy. Wake me when it's over. I mean, that's like five real strong songs uh, right there. I'm probably leaving something off. Um, anyway, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, let us now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show uh, from MrSkin.com, the online celebrity nudity database, Mr Skin. Hello, sir. Hey, Rick. How's it going? It's going um kind of, well, it, it's going either good or bad, and here's the reason for that. I don't know if you've heard this. Maybe, you've, uh, maybe you read this story this morning, maybe you didn't. I will uh, read it now for the edification of the audience who may have missed it. Uh, This is a story that was posted on the Internet Movie Database. Uh, It is from uh, radio station WENN. Subject line. See, this is the sort of story that really just makes you frustrated, especially if you're in your business, sir. Jennifer Love Hewitt says, I wish I'd spent more time nude.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We uh, reported on that at com today.
5: So frustrating. Jennifer yeah. Love Hewitt, the article, says, Regrets not showing off her body more when she was younger. <laughs> the actress is showing off a new tone, physique, blah, 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 blah. She says, I wish I'd been nude. This is a little awkward. From the time I was 12 until 28. Yeah,
0: yeah I, I would only at my website be able to handle that from 18, yeah. out, by the way. But, uh, yeah, you know, uh, I talked to some higher-ups at Playboy, and they informed me that uh, she's one of the most... Uh, Sought after to do an actual photo spread in the magazine, uh, and the reason is she really she hasn't done any nudity, and if if they were able to get her to pose nude uh, for the magazine, that'd be a big deal. And uh, I mean, like you know, Pam Anderson, great, but right. uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt would be a big coup.
5: Well, it seems so. Maybe who knows? Maybe this is maybe the time is drawing near. Maybe she maybe she realizes that uh, you know that that countdown clock is going to zero at some point. So you got to get it done.
0: Yeah, you know. Uh, she, you know, I know just from people through the years asking me on, on when I'm interviewed, uh, there, there's definitely demand from guys uh, to see what uh, is under her shirt, no question about it. All right. What
5: is up in the world of nudity, my friend?
0: There's a horror movie in theaters right now called Mirrors that uh, I didn't talk to you about last week. Uh, uh, Amy Smart co-stars in this. And, uh, uh, Rick, do you remember the movie Road Trip with Tom Green? I do about indeed. She was the hot babe 17 minutes in uh, who was topless. And... Uh, since that movie, there's been a, definitely a cult following of Amy Smart. Uh, I've had a lot of guys say, you know, I loved her in Road Trip. That nude scene was great. Has she done anything? And there, there hasn't been until now. In the movie Mirrors, 45 minutes in, Amy uh, is taking a bath. We get a nice breath. Uh, not only a breast uh, shot, but a butt shot, too. Very uh, uh, good news for Amy Smart fans. The hot blonde from Road Trip, she is very naked in mirrors. It's a really good nude scene. That's in theaters right now. Uh, new release DVDs at your, uh, favorite video store. A movie called Miss Pettigrew Lives for a Day. Rick, this is a total chick flick. You'd never, uh, go and rent this. But if you, uh, happen to have it laying around the house, you would just fast forward to the 47 minute mark and, uh, see a girl named Amy Adams. Now, Amy Adams, you might remember in '06 she was, uh, nominated for Best Supporting Actress for the movie Junebug. So she's a pretty big, you know, movie star as far as, uh, uh, the Academy Awards are concerned, and she's uh, really been skingy in her career. Uh, she did a movie called Psycho Beach Party before she hit a big where she showed a little butt. Where uh, In this movie, 47 minutes in, she is <clears throat> naked again, this time another butt shot. So Amy Adams naked and Miss Pettigrew lives for a day, which is a new release DVD this week. And finally, um, fans of Hellboy um, 1 and 2, Selma Blair has a direct-to-DVD movie, uh, that's new this week called The Killing Gene. And, uh, 51 minutes in. Uh, she goes, uh, uh, boobs and butt in this. So, uh, good nudity in the killing gene. I know a lot of guys are in the Hellboy and, uh, uh, Selma Blair. Uh, a lot of Selma Blair fans out there. Very naked, by the way, in this movie. So check it out.
5: Excellent. And of course, if anything does develop, so to speak, on the Jennifer Love Hewitt front, so to speak, I have no <laughs> doubt that you will give us that news first Rick, and foremost. Rick,
0: you will have an instant message from me if Jennifer Love Hewitt's going to be naked.
5: God bless you, sir. All right. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Take care. Uh, there you go. I read, I had like a hundred guys send me that story last night. Uh, I went on to check my email last night. After going to see Tropic Thunder, and uh, I went home check my email. It, 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 the whole, you know, the whole inbox is full of like, dude, check it out, Jennifer it you. It's talking about being nude. And, and it's just, and I said this for the longest time that she's gonna be one of those people who's gonna realize at some point like I gotta do it now, gotta get that yeah, I done. I think
1: she's gonna do it now. That sounds like a tease.
5: I know. It, she, she wishes she had made the most of her youth and flaunted her body more. You know, that's a retro tease. You know what I mean? That's a uh, that is a, that is, you
1: still don't see anything, but she's still talking about being naked, and she's still not doing it. Yeah.
5: All right, and I thought I was past the point of caring, uh, but clearly not. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, you know what it is? It's like when you, it's like having a scratch-off ticket or something, and you scratched off, like, the first three out of the five boxes or whatever, and you, you realize you're not going to win. But, like, even knowing that, you're still compelled to scratch off the rest. Why? You just got to see what's there. Just human nature. Ladies and gentlemen, the Ministry of Truth, kneel before
3: him. And now, Now. though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley.
6: Ricky Martin and Clay Aiken have something in common. (coughs) Now Ricky is now the proud father of twins, courtesy of one surrogate mother. His rep says the kids are healthy. Ricky will be a full-time dad and will take the rest of the year off to raise his or Bambinos.
5: Take the rest of the year off from what? I don't know. I mean, from sitting around and staring blankly into the middle
6: distance? I mean,
5: really, what is it? Standing in front of a mirror, meticulously uh, combing his hair? I mean, what...
6: Well, except for this one instance. All right. right. Anyway, a former NSYNC star Chris Kirkpatrick is sparking reports that the hit-making boy band is planning a reunion. The Bye 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 group disbanded after more than seven years together, making a temporary hiatus in 2002, prompting Justin Timberlake to pursue a solo career. But Kirkpatrick is now 36, insists the five-some have ruled out a comeback after selling more than 36 million records.
5: That seems premature. Mm-hmm.
6: Mm-hmm. We all get along like brothers. We all love each other. We all care for one another. I'm sure we'll come back. From Florida comes word an Alligator was uh, captured walking down a central Florida road. Whitten? Florida. Oh, wow, I have my computer turned off. Damn you,
5: Sarah Dillon. Damn you to hell.
6: All right. Sorry. This after the tropical storm Faye spawned a tornado. The National Weather Service confirmed a tornado touchdown in Barefoot Bay. It damaged 51 homes, including nine that were temporarily destroyed. The four-foot-long gator was spotted walking near the damaged homes after the tornado. It was not known how the gator made it to that location. Also from Florida, this is from Lake Hamilton. From where? That was me. That was totally so me. Mean. Whatever. A fender bender leads to a murderous rampage. Florida man arrested after allegedly going on a violent rampage after a minor fender bender slashing and stabbing the occupants of a car then uh, running over and killing a woman who had been riding in a nearby vehicle. Uh, Casey Weldon faces murder and carjacking charges after the attacks. Uh, apparently they uh, they found this guy using uh, oh a pill bottle left at the scene. So people always leave things behind. The violence apparently unfolded after a minivan uh, slammed into a stopped car being driven by a 19-year-old woman. This guy goes out and goes berserk and starts stabbing people all over the place. So uh, then he takes off and right. it's a typical Florida crime really, yeah. you just get out of hand. What are you gonna do? Uh, some men may argue that having a wife can lead to an early demise, but there's a new research that shows polygamy extends a man's life in some cultures. Hey now. The study has determined men over 60 in 140 countries that practice polygamy to some de- degree average 12% longer lives than those in 49 most monogamous nations. The research is out of the University of Sheffield in Great Britain. It has concluded that fathering more children with more wives leads to increased longevity in males. Why not try it yourself today? Well, Israel is testing out this new, I guess you can call it a skunk bomb on protesters. Palestinian protesters, the latest targets, they were expecting rubber bullets, but no. Instead, they got a putrid yellow wind. It's Israel's newest weapon. A putrid yellow wind. <laughs> it's a noxious mist, which Israel police describe as a skunk. It's been used for the first time. When a trick mounted cannon sprayed it over the heads of protesters, sending them racing down the hillside, retching and tearing off each other's shirts to try to escape the stench. So apparently this is accessible on... Uh, Uh, Palestinians so far. I really, I will, I will say,
5: you know, when it comes to creating weapons uh, and really perfecting them, I mean, uh, Israel does. uh, They often lead the way on that sort of a thing. They do. All right. Time for a snuff watch. Here's your snuff watch for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. (laughs)
6: Legendary record producer Jerry Wexler helped to shape the R&B industry with influential recordings for Aretha Franklin, Rachel's, and other greats and later made key recordings with the likes of Bob Dylan and Willie Nelson has died. He was 91. Uh, apparently, he died in Florida for, from heart disease. Uh, let's see. Both this and Donna Lisa were present at the time of his death. A number of artists he has been involved with and helped significantly well, it was just unbelievable. Wexler earned the reputation as a music industry giant, while a partner at Atlantic Records with another legendary music figure, the late uh, Eddie Gwynn. I guess the uh, Ahmet is- Erdogan is the, uh, is the guy. Yeah, so they, were, uh, they both uh,
5: ran Atlantic Records, and, I mean, and uh, Ahmet Erdogan is the guy who sort of gets a lot of the credit because he was you know, the one who sort of brought Led Zeppelin to the label and you know, was, was really the guy who kind of got a lot of the spotlight. Um, but Jerry Wexler cr- just produced a huge number of R&B records, which are really influential. I mean, even if he had never done uh, anything else, uh, he produced In the Mid- uh, Midnight Hour by Wilson Pickett. Um, which is one of the great R&B records of of all time. So, I mean, he's one of those guys that left an imprint uh, on R&B, even though a lot of people don't know his name. Everybody, you kind of know the guy's music because he really made, he made a very, very strong and lasting mark uh, on R&B.
6: And as you heard earlier, uh, Leslie Moore, the versatile saxophonist with the Dave Matthews band, died in a TV wreck,
5: according to Larry King last night. Uh, There you go. There's your uh, Snuff Watch uh, for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We'll do a few more headlines here. We'll take a break in, uh, in a short while. We'll come back with Mark Cantor, author of Reckless Road, Guns and Roses, and the Making of Appetite for Destruction. Uh, let me read a couple of emails. Rick uh, just got laid off today and spent the day watching oh. Trailer Park Boys on YouTube and drinking rum.
1: I've never seen that show, but I have friends addicted to it. Everybody like talks there. about
5: it. Uh, I was at the, I was at my father's place a while back. Guy, some guy, don't know who he was, comes by the table, Joni and I are there. Guy comes by the table, so he goes, Hey, dude, Rick, you got to watch Trailer Park Boys. All right, thanks, for sure. And he just wanders off. So it's one of those things that comes highly recommended. Uh, if you get Netflix, I recommend you commit the next month of your life to all seven seasons of Trailer Park Boys and the most in picture. All episodes are on YouTube, but better on DVD. Uh, you would love the show. Let me know what you think. So that is a check. Well, Sorry to hear about your recent employment unpleasantness, Chuck. I would recommend that you continue drinking heavily for the next couple of days. Uh, sounds like they laid you off on a Monday though, uh, or Tuesday at least, which is good though, because you know, the thing is they always fire people on a Friday and you're not supposed to do that. Mm -hmm. Really psychologically speaking, you know, you're supposed to fire people on a Monday or a Tuesday. That way, if they want to go look for a job right away, you can get up the next day and be out there looking for a gig. You fire somebody on a Friday, it just sucks because then the next day you just got two days of sitting around the house where you can do nothing.
1: Well, that's good too. And his company obviously doesn't think he's going to go on some crazy killing spree because they gave him the full week. Yes.
5: (laughs) <laughs> i mean the day's not over and there's still more rum so who knows what lies at the bottom of that bottle uh but as i always say and i know this is difficult advice to take but whenever we hear from somebody who's laid off fired lost the gig whatever uh it, I, I know it's difficult but really try to enjoy it to whatever extent you can because you know i'm not trying to be some darkest before the dawn time, but you're gonna you know before you know it you're gonna get another gig and then then you're gonna be like oh damn it i should have slept in i should have played more xbox so just take it. I would say we
6: didn't have that problem the last time we had 12 months of sleep. Right? I had a long
5: time of rest, Tim.
1: <laughs> 11, Tim. Oh, Don't 11. <laughs> I had a
5: long I had a long <laughs> summer's, <laughs> autumn's and winter's nap. Uh, so uh, anyway, so so I would say uh, not to be like all dear Abby about it. Uh, but I would I would set yourself aside like a good three, four five days where you do absolutely nothing but drinking and laying around and feeling sorry for yourself. Really, I think it's I think it is psychologically healthy. Then you go look for the uh, then you go look for the job, but uh, yeah, give yourself a couple of days to slack because otherwise you're just going to regret that you didn't do it. Um, oh, hey, speaking of okay, so um, we were just talking about television, and then I was talking about how I went to see Tropic Thunder last night, which part of me almost feels like I want to find somebody in the building who really liked it and ask them why, but then I realize what do I care? I didn't like it, and they're not going to make me like it retroactively. I mean, I don't mean to be obstinate about it, but I didn't like it. What Did you, you do- say
1: Paddock liked it? I think Paddock liked it. Maybe well, let's, let's get Paddock in here.
5: Well, maybe. I just didn't be
1: scared. Don't be scared. Rick.
5: It's not that I'm scared. I'm just wondering. I'm wondering if that would even be interesting because it's again, I'm, it's not that I'm stubborn. I'm just saying I didn't like it. And, and probably not gonna change your mind. He's probably not going to retro. It's not like he's going to clue me into some sort of rosebud type thing that I'm going to go. Wait a minute. You're right. It's genius. So I might have him in just to maybe give a sort of counterbalance because I think he really was a big fan and I, was, and, I, and I wasn't, and I wasn't, and I, and I know that it, you know it's the number one movie. So maybe there's something I'm really, maybe there's something I'm missing about it. Maybe there's some sort of, maybe there's some gazinkus to which I am not privy. Uh, but so I, I go to see Tropic Thunder last night, and it's like I could just feel my IQ points being shaved off by the minute. And so I went home, and I'm like, I gotta watch something intelligent. And so I watched uh, episode four, season two, Mad Men. God, what a great and warped show that is. Yeah. Um, just, just. All of that interaction between Don Draper and his wife and the kids, uh, and I stand by my assessment that his wife is sort of irritating and oftentimes dull, but at the very least Mm -hmm. off-putting. But, I mean, that man, that family life of his is just one big ball in neuroses. Uh, You know, because she's, I guess, maybe was in therapy. Don Draper's wife was or is in therapy. But it seems like he's a guy who could really stand to have a little bit of uh, couch time. Uh, I, I wonder, no, no, uh,
6: by the end of the 60s, people like that were popping lots of pills to make it through the day.
5: Well, that's the thing. I keep waiting for that to happen on Mad Men. I keep waiting for one of the doctors or a shrink or somebody to go,
6: I would recommend that you take uh,
5: one of these maybe when you're feeling stressed or perhaps anxious and uh, take throughout the day uh, as necessary. Because I think, didn't you have an, I mean, maybe, maybe this is like, Swingtown, where you like to think everybody in the 70s was like a swinger. But you sort of hear that depiction of the 60s where by the end of the decade, all the housewives were on volume, just every one of them. Uh, because, you know, it's kind of a stifling existence. And then you got those guys like Don Draper who, as your shrink would probably say, are self-medicating with just endless bottles of booze throughout the week.
6: Women were A married woman was not allowed to work Yeah. in I the mean, 60s. Well, you know, when the 70s rolled around and the economy got a little bit worse... Then it kind of opened up a little bit, but it was like the middle or late 70s, and, you know, people gave in begrudgingly to that. Right. And, I mean, there's a couple of things
5: about it. A, uh, I was thinking about this last night because I was watching the character of Don Draper's wife, uh, Betty, and just how she is living that sort of Betty Friedan feminine mystique, uh, stifling, smothering, suburban sort of hell existence, which I kind of get tired of seeing that depicted now because now, you know, like when you watch American Beauty, we're like I'm, I'm stuck in this horrible like this horrible suburban life where all of my expression is you know is snuffed out and it's like there's no excuse for that now like it's 2008 go you know, move move somewhere else get a job whatever in the 60s though I think there really is some validity to, to the idea that women were very much trapped. In those kind of circumstances in the 60s, you, know, you didn't have a lot of equality. You didn't you didn't make the money a man did. Uh, a lot of times you just couldn't could not get a job, would not be given a job,
6: and uh, you you could not get credit without your husband's permission. Yeah, I mean there was a you know it, you weren't an entire person. That's I mean yeah.
5: So I mean there, there were you know whole sections of American uh, society uh, that were they were not really able to have self determination in the 60s. So I do. I do think there's something to that, that that there was a whole generation of women who uh, were just popping pills like fiends by the end of that decade, just trying to sort of, you know, have that existence. But uh, I was thinking about this last night. You know what they got rid of? They got rid of that character down the street, the divorced woman with the kid. Where did she ever go to? Oh, yeah. And I remember that character, she was sort of the pariah because she was divorced. (gasps) As she was divorced, she didn't have a man. She was a single mother. And occasionally she had like a boyfriend,
1: which means she wanted all the other ladies' husbands.
5: That's totally the thing is.
6: That's exactly what arrived. Like, there she was one in every neighborhood back then. The woman who shacked up, and you kids better stay away from that house. Exactly. It and might rub off on you. All, and all
5: they all, and the women all got together around a coven, you know, like in a coven over, over like a cauldron, and they were just, you know, you know, she does, you know, she has men over at her house. You, like and them.
1: now it's like not even being a divorcee in, in this day and age, like it's just even being single, totally. When you're around people who are very possessive of their boyfriends. I'm like, I don't want anything to do with
7: that. He's out to
5: steal your man.
1: Seriously.
7: Yeah.
5: Back then, they wore the scarlet Letter. So there was she was a fascinating, hmm, a fascinating character that I that I sort of assumes have been written out. She had not really come back. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what else. The the sort of subtle revelations that you see about Don Draper's dad and his relationship with his dad. Um, but I have to say that the gr- the great moment and quasi spoiler, if you don't want to hear about it, the great moment from last night though is that scene right at the end where the priest comes up and gives Peggy the egg and says, for the little one, and you see that look on her face, because clearly she had some kind of interest in that priest, mm-hmm. sort of Carmela Soprano style. She had a little bit of, you know, maybe a little crush on the priest, and that moment when he gives her, you talk about the scarlet letter, when he gives her that Easter egg and he says, for the little one, because it's like she has hidden the fact that she had that baby and that the baby was taken away, and when he reveals that he knows it, it's like that actress is so good, you can see it all on her face that it's like all of the shame suddenly exposed publicly. I mean, she did a really great job of acting without saying a word right there.
6: And because your sister was so jealous in the confession, oh, man. She, she spilled it right there. Oh god, you. what a what a whore that sister is. Yeah.
5: Seriously, that sister's is just a just a what a what a crone of a human being she is. Pig face. Yeah, seriously.
6: Big face.
5: <laughs> and she smells. <laughs> Uh, all right, you're listening to KCMD Portland. We should take a break. We'll come back and talk to Mark Cantor, author of Reckless Road, Guns N' Roses, and the Making of Appetite for Destruction. Later on, more from Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. We'll do the top five Guns N' Roses songs you never hear on the radio, as compiled by the guys in Appetite for Deception and uh, so forth. Like us at 3 Michael Mara Show at 7. We return next. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Big face. Yeah. the Rick Emerson radio program. Thank you for coming along. It's 503 733 503-733-2970 coming up later on. More from Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Uh, like us at three, Michael Mara show at seven. Uh, all right, so I've been talking about this for, I don't know, the better part of today and kind of leading up to it. So I hold in my hands a book called Reckless Road, Guns and Roses and the Making of Appetite uh, for Destruction. And, and I... I I was saying earlier that I am fascinated, and I think a lot of people are, by, uh, you know, not just rock and not just the world of music, but sort of uh, those, you know, maybe the moments that you don't necessarily see, the moments before the band kind of enters the spotlight. and Reckless Road is by a guy named Mark Cantor. We're going to bring him onto the show in just a moment. And it is, uh, I would say, a photographic history of Guns N' Roses from uh, even pre-formation all the way up to and through the recording of Appetite for Destruction. And it may be the single best visual document I have ever seen compiled into one book uh, in terms of rock and roll. So it's a pleasure to welcome to the Rick Emerson Show, author of Reckless Road, Guns N' Roses, uh, and the making of Appetite for Destruction, Mark Cantor. Hello, sir.
14: Hi, how are
5: you doing? I am fantastic. First off, congratulations on really putting together an exceptional book. I, it, it sounds like I'm just sort of devolving into hyperbole here, but it takes a lot to impress me in terms of uh, rock biography or especially a visual biography because a lot of times those, uh, those are less impressive uh, than it seems like they ought to be. But this book really delivers maybe the most intimate portrait I've ever seen of a band on the way up.
14: Well, I did it knowing that I was, what I was documenting, but I didn't realize they would ever really make it real big, and I was sort of doing it really for myself. But once they made it big, I knew that the world would want to see it, too.
5: And so, uh, well, let's just kind of jump back to the beginning. So how do you enter uh, the Guns N' Roses picture, and when?
14: Well, I started with Slash in fifth grade at, you know, at elementary school, and he blew me away by his drawings. He used to draw snakes and jungles and dinosaurs and just outrageous stuff. And we used to ride bikes together and hang out, and we were racing bicycle, motocross, and he was doing outrageous things then, and I was taking pictures. And start, That's when it really started, the documentation started. Uh, around 1979, 1980, he started playing guitar, and within a year, he was a guitar hero already. He was doing things that you would hear from Jimi Hendrix or Eric Clapton. So that talent just moved from you know one thing to another, and I started... I was interested in taking pictures of rock bands because I I grew up as as a big Aerosmith fan. So I was always documenting that and collecting Aerosmith material and really documenting or at least photographing a lot of the bands that came through Los Angeles. And when Slash started playing in uh, garage bands, of course I would document that and take pictures and record the shows, save the flyers. Uh, You know, that's just what I, I, I do. So when we met Axel in 1984... Basically, I saw the same thing now in Axel, you know, and Izzy and the different talents that were had. It wasn't just Slash anymore, but together combined, it was monstrous. It was just outrageous. The songs they wrote, there was no throwaways. They were all one after another. It was Jungle, then Rocket Queen, then Paradise City, then Night Train, then My Michelle. There wasn't anything dead in between, and they were, ready. They were album ready. They, in fact, the leads on those, rec- on those songs, the first time they ever played them were the same leads you na- hear now on the record. So it just was, it was like self-produced.
5: You you must get asked stuff like this a lot, but um, when you first met Axl Rose, what was the, what kind of impression did he give off? Was he always sort of uh, the mercurial, sort of unpredictable guy that we sort of are familiar with now, or was there a time when he was more approachable?
14: No, he was always, well, now he's less approachable just because so many people poked at him in different ways, but really he's the same person he always was. Back then he was... He knew what he wanted. He 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 wanted to be in control, but he worked well with the band. And you know, when Slash and Izzy he'd come up with something. excellent knew just what to do with it and how to make it you know work as a song. Um, but even back then, when there was press, like the Music Connection did a, a story cover, and then just right before they got signed, because they were selling out the Troubadour and stuff like that, uh, he'd wa- he didn't want it to come out. He was trying to stop it from coming out because he didn't like the way it was going. So you know any other band would be thrilled to be on the cover of the magazine. So, it, with him, it's always been victory or death.
5: You know, you, it's, you look through his book. The book is Reckless Road, Guns and Roses, and the Making of Appetite for Destruction. And you see just some of the most uh, just some of the most amazing artifacts from that era. I mean, you know, there's photographs all the way back to I think I think in here you've got a photograph of that's sort of the first time they all played together uh, as a unit
14: um and, and it was june 6 1985 at the troubadour it was on a thursday night and that gig was booked before slash and steven were even in the band it was tracy guns and this guy rob gardner and duff had booked a tour to seattle for some little clubs that he used to play in punk rock bands with and tracy and rob basically quit because they didn't want to go up there they didn't know where they were going to sleep what they were going to eat and Axel, Izzy, and duff didn't really care because they had lived on the streets or you know in the back of someone's car or stayed at a friend's house they didn't really care, they just were serious about their music. So they asked Slash and Steven to join, who Slash played with them a, a year before in Hollywood Rose, but that sort of fell apart after three months. But they knew that Slash was the guy, you know, and had the right attitude and the guitar sound and, the, you know, everything that goes with it. So Slash and Steven joined that band. You know, a few days before that troubadour gig and just basically jumped in and, and never looked back.
5: And then this is sort of around the same time as what is it, the, the Hell Tour, the Hell Trip, uh, which is, it was a, some kind of ill fated trip. I maybe, I don't even know if it went through Portland, but to Seattle and back.
14: Yeah, I mean, was, there was some shows scheduled in Portland, but I think they only made it to Seattle. They only played one gig. And what happened was on the way, that's sort of the tour that made the band solidified. The, you know, that's. They were just musicians that knew they all fit together, but they didn't have any, any any strong bond, common bond between them other than the music they were doing. But their car broke down on the way to that tour, and they had a hitchhike, like 100 miles out of L.A., and they had a hitchhike up there with just their guitars, and they just went through hell. They ate onions on the side of the road or whatever they had to do to get by. And, you know, hell and back in that week. And by the time they got back... And they had a good gig up there. The time they got back, they were now brothers. You know, they 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 were like they were a gang, and, and now they were ready to come screw up LA. They knew that they they have they're the right fit for the time, and they can do it. You know, they're just all outrageous. You know, they had the sound. They had the image. They had the looks. They had just everything you know, they had the songwriting. They had it
5: all. It's amazing. You look at these uh, these flyers here, and it's, uh, I was talking to uh, my producer, Sarah, about this earlier, where you, you look through the book and you see these flyers where they'll list either, you know, either a relatively big band, like somebody like Cheap Trick, or, uh, you know, one of those ads that you kind of see even now, uh, you know, in L.A., where they, they're they listing, you know, the lineup for a night or for a weekend, and it's 50 different bands, and on some of these, it's, you know, they list all of these bands, so I think they must have been locally popular, and in a tiny print at the bottom, like, and Guns N' Roses, where it's just so small, and Did you have any sense even then that they were going to break out and be so much different and so defining as contrasted with these other bands?
14: Well, I I knew I was dealing with like a mini Led Zeppelin. And the reason why I say Led Zeppelin is because if you listen to any album, any Zeppelin album out there, they're all good. All the songs are good. There's no throwaways. And that's what this band, they were coming up with songs every three weeks. And there was nothing, there was no dead spots, like I said earlier. So I knew that all they had to do was stay together and they would probably get signed and possibly have a gold record out. I didn't really know it would go that much bigger, but I think what what made it go that much bigger, because Appetite for Destruction was out a whole year and it only sold 200,000 copies or, or close to a, a little bit before then. And Geffen was ready to you know put out record number two or go back in the studio. And Tom Zutet, who was the guy that signed them, the A&R guy, said, no way, this is the record. But we need MTV's help. And MTV wouldn't touch them because of bad reputation they read about or drugs, sex, whatever. And they thought they would lose advertisements, you know, from their people that support them. So David Geffen pulled a favor and got them to play Welcome to the Jungle just one time only. And it was going to be on a Sunday night at 6 a.m. Eastern Time. And he said, I'll do it once. Leave me alone. That's it. He did it once. The phones blew up. The switchboards blew up. Everyone called and said, who is that? Play that again. Within four or five days, they were in top ten rotation. And I believe within a month after that, they were selling a couple hundred thousand units a week. You
5: know, I, I got to tell you, there's, uh, you know, and I, it would be really easy to sort of uh, to pretend that I was sort of aware of or there for moments that I wasn't. But you know, there's a lot of those moments that people talk about in Guns N' Roses history. One of them is, uh, I think, the, the Guns N' Roses Motley Crue double bill, a lot, you know, a billion people. I saw that tour, and you know, most people didn't, and, and I didn't. Uh, another one of those is the moment you just described, where that moment where I think Dave Grohl actually tells a story about being up and just sitting on the couch and just stoned to the gills and he's watching mtv and it's just the most amazing video came on and i mean i get chills even now just thinking about it where you know i love a lot of music from that era but a lot of it had a certain sameness and it all did sort of start to sound a little bit alike after a while and then you know you just you can just hear that opening welcome to the jungle riff and that thing of axel getting off the bus and i mean it just even now it just blows your mind Uh, they they really they really did things their own way, and you can tell that it's the sound of a band that just didn't give a rip what anybody else thought, that they were going to do exactly what they wanted to do, and they weren't going to let a record company kind of mold them, which would have been the easier thing to do, right, where you let the record company figure out how you're going to dress and how you're going to look, and they didn't want any part of that, it seems.
14: That's why they went with Geffen. Actually, Chrysalis Records offered them a better better financial contract, but they went with Geffen because they liked Tom Zutat, and they knew that Tom would let them do what they wanted to do.
5: So when you look back at Guns N' Roses, uh, you know, in that sort of original, or the, you know, the classic, the Appetite for Deception lineup, when it, when it coalesced, you know, you look at that band and it, you can tell even what, as the years went on, you could tell, especially by listening to their solo projects, you could almost hear where it was like, a, you know, it was like a recipe, where you got, you know, you got flour and you got milk and you got eggs and you got butter and none of them taste anything alike, but you put them all together and they make this great thing. Um, right, That's
14: exactly what it was.
5: And they all came from different places musically. So just real quickly, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of name, name the band members of the, of the, of that uh, lineup and just have you give me just a quick assessment of each first thing that comes to mind. So, uh, Axel, first words that come to mind to describe him.
14: Axel is just the incredible front man and just a genius as far as he could see the future and knew exactly what to do with what the band was offering him musically and knew how to, how to add, you know, melody or even take, is lyrics and, and put melody to them, or write his own lyrics with melody. So he just he just knew how to how to channel all that energy and to make it a perfect situation. Slash. Uh, Slash is um, half monster, half machine. <laughs> uh, you know, I get chills listening to, you know, to, like the solos in Sweet Child of Mine or whatever. The end of Night Train, November Rain. Just what he he seduces you. You hear his guitar playing. And nothing could fit that spot better. And as far as um, you know, just so he's so he's the strongest person I know. He might not look it, but he's just always been a monster. And he could fly off his amps on stage for like 10, 12 feet high and just land and keep going. He's just you know unstoppable.
6: Uh-huh.
5: And he's
14: just so talented, it's it's it's, it's amazing.
6: Duff
5: McKagan.
14: Duff McKagan was sort of right in the middle between Slash and 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 uh, Izzy. Slash was hard rock, blues, and Izzy was like rock and roll, like Rolling Stones, Hanoi Rocks. Duff was the punk. He was right in between. So Duff gave a lot of attitude to, you know, and how those songs came out. Like, It's So Easy, for instance, is Duff's song. And that's actually probably one of my favorite songs. So that's Duff's, you know, uh, that's what I think of Duff.
5: Stephen Adler. Steven Adler.
14: Stephen Adler put the groove to it all. I mean, he just had... The perfect, like if you listen to My Michelle and you hear the drums in it or just really any of those old songs, there's so much groove and no one realizes if you took those drums away the songs could have come out a lot different.
5: I, uh, just, just, just before we talk about Izzy, I have to say that my, I have some friends and I, we sort of, you know, we do what, do what dudes do. We sit around and we argue about, you know, old rock records and, you know, music and whatever. And I've, you know, I've always said that the Stephen Adler, you know, the, the, the thing that Stephen Adler had, you listen to Appetite uh, for Destruction and then you listen to maybe the Use Your Illusion records, is that he had a real swing to it. I mean, the music really did have a rock and roll feel, as opposed to Matt Sorum, who was the guy that replaced him, where it was just a 4-4 kind of hard rock beat, and I think it lost a lot of the groove.
14: It lost the groove, and Matt's an awesome... Matt's like a machine. You know, you hear, like, uh, You Could Be Mine, the opening drums for that, and it's just oh, it's a machine coming yeah. at you. But you're right, it's completely different. They're both good, but both completely different.
5: And then, to me, you know, I'm not going to say overlooked, but maybe the sort of the secret weapon of Guns N' Roses was Izzy Stradlin. Who,
14: Izzy was the heart yeah. of it all. He set the style, uh, the way they looked, basically. He He had so much, he had more experience than the rest of them. He had gotten to Los Angeles about two years before the rest of them. And he was, you know, he already was dressing the part, just walking down the street. So Izzy was always cool. The first time I saw Izzy was when he was with Axel in a band called Rose at Gazzari's. It like, cost a dollar to get in, and I remember just seeing Izzy just, you know, on his knees, running around, and there was so much energy going on. And he was just such a good songwriter. He was just, he, he a lot of the stuff that they came up with, Izzy was a starter for. And then Slash changed it.
5: It, the people, uh, I was talking, I have a friend of mine who's in a Guns N' Roses tribute band called Appetite for Deception, and we were talking about, uh, I th- they were going to be folding a lot of uh, sort of Izzy-based songs into their repertoire, like Double Talk and Jive and stuff, and, and we were talking about how Izzy is, people don't realize how much stuff in Guns N' Roses, I think there's a tendency to always think, well the lead guitarist and the singer write everything, and people don't realize how much stuff, came out of Izzy Stradlin, and he's just this kind of brooding, mysterious, gypsy guy in the background. But, man, he's just cranking those songs out left and right.
14: Yeah, Izzy was the backbone of the songwriting. I mean, like, Welcome to the Jungle with Slash, you know, Sweet Child in Mind. A lot of that stuff is Slash, but still, Izzy, uh, pretty much the rest of it is pretty much Izzy stuff that Slash had tweaked a little bit. Like, My Michelle, Izzy came up with it, but Slash put the little funk into it. You know, a few more notes at the end of the riff. But um, without Izzy, you got nothing.
5: We're uh, talking to Mark Cantor. The book is Reckless Road, Guns and Roses, and the Making of Appetite uh, for Destruction. So I got uh, some people that sort of already sent me some questions or things they wanted. And, they, and you were, as the guy who was there and who really did uh, see it. And, I, in fact, I, you are, of course, you. I was going to say you are the Mark Cantor in the liner notes, but, of course, you're the Mark Cantor in the liner notes in Appetite for, for Destruction. Um, a couple of these uh, songs sort of through the years, you kind of uh, hear different stories about them. One of the things I always heard is that, Don't Cry, November Rain, and Estranged, which is sort of a trilogy, were all written before the band even really started recording, and, you know, that they were all maybe about Aaron Everly, or they were all about whoever. Did those songs kind of already exist, and were they about Aaron Everly?
14: When I, no, well, Aaron came around in 1986. When I met Axel in 84, he already had November Rain, Uh, so he played November Rain on the piano by himself once for me back then. Uh, in 1985 Izzy and Axel that was the first song they wrote for Guns N' Roses was Don't Cry in January of 1985 Slash came into the picture around June of 85 and you know Slash of course added that lead to it but um Estrange came on after Appetite uh probably you know Axel probably wrote that on the piano uh I imagine like 88 or 89 so um that was before he broke. A, although "A Strange" really, the lyrics to "A Strange," the lyrics to "A Strange," had to do with the breakup of Aaron.
5: I, I have to say, just the idea. Uh, I mean, and you, you clearly are very aware of, of just the, the history and just the the, the just the, the eyewitness to all of this. The idea of just sort of being in a room and Axel Rose saying like, "Hey, I'm going to play you this new song I wrote, November Rain." I mean, it just blows your mind. You don't, you don't really think about those songs being written by a guy in a room somewhere you just they're so great you think of them just sort of coming into existence fully formed and i mean just to to have been there to to have seen all of that um so when you kind of look back at this at the at the appetite for destruction lineup i mean is it is it amazing to you sort of in retrospect that it held together even that long because they were just so notoriously just messed up and unstable and fighting and breaking up. I mean, it, it seems like a miracle that they even held it together as long as they did.
14: It is a miracle, but, see, they had something to show the world, and, and that's why it didn't really fall apart until after that two-year world tour from the Use Your Illusions. I mean, they together they, had, they made some great music, and they needed to show that out there. Once they came back, things had changed because uh, they got bigger. I mean, the way they wrote songs were different. They used to live in a studio, and you know, one would someone would come up with a riff, and everyone would pounce on it, and you'd have a song. Now, once they got signed, and they made they, their record took off, you know, Appetite went good. They all had houses and studios in their houses, so they would come to they'd come to you know the studio with a, a song already recorded that they wrote themselves. So it didn't really get ripped apart by the rest of the band as it did on Appetite.
5: Right. Um, so talking- you
14: lost something, but it, it didn't matter. You know, it still it still was great stuff. It just changed.
5: We're talking to Mark Cancer. The book is Reckless Road, Guns and Roses, and the Making of Appetite for Destru- uh, Destruction. As we, as we sort of wrap this up, I, I have to—I know you've probably been asked this a billion jillion times, and you're sick of it—but uh, will that lineup ever play together again?
14: Maybe somewhere in the future. I don't see it happening in the right now because uh, Axel's got all this material to get out, and he's trying to get it out, and it has to play out. But uh, you know, it doesn't mean you can't hang out with your old spouse just because you have a new one. You know what I mean? <laughs> So maybe someday, maybe by the time of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, three or four years from now, they might do something. But I, I see them more so touring together than I do writing together. Right. They just have differences on the way that's put together. But I don't know if you've seen the online part of the book where I recorded all those shows so you could actually hear tidbits um, of their shows, like 30 Second Tidbits when you turn the pages on and the
5: uh, right. and the website is it is recklessroad.com correct
14: yeah yeah the, at recklessroad.com to get the book but enhancebooks.com to to see it and that's uh Excellent. once you buy the book there's a code in the book you put in that code with a user ID and a password and you get the whole book online also And when you flip through the pages online, music pops out at you from those gigs.
5: Oh, that's fantastic. Well, I have to say, as a lifelong music fan and as a huge Guns N' Roses fan, uh, I would just like to say thank you for for putting this book out there and really giving Guns N' Roses fans and and rock fans just a, a window into... Uh, a past that we sort of knew about but didn't get to experience. And through you and through the book, we can get a little glimpse into to sort of where that all came from. So continued success, sir, and thank you for the book. I, I, uh, it, uh, thank you for writing it. It was a pleasure well, to read.
14: I've been told I, I was a fly on the wall back then, but I guess that, that works.
5: Well, I mean, we should all be so lucky to be that fly, my friend. Uh, recklessroad.com, uh, Mark Cantor, thank you so much, my friend.
14: Okay, thank you. All
5: right, there you go. Mark Cantor, ladies and gentlemen, uh, author of Reckless Road, Guns and Roses, and the making of Appetite for Destruction. Richie, can you uh, talk to Mark? I think mean, he's still on the warm line. Thank you. All right. Wow. I gotta. I have to rain myself. I could talk to that guy for five
4: hours.
1: Oh, I know. I could tell. I
5: mean, it's just... Uh, this is the last time I'm going to say this, but Jesus. I mean, you know, there's these great, blurry, out-of-focus shots of, like, Izzy Stradlin just slumped over in some weird room somewhere that's covered in graffiti, and he's the guy... I mean, everybody knows that I love Axel Rose and everything, but Izzy Stradlin is really the, the enigma of enigmas. I mean, he's the engine, the powered... Uh, it, it, guns and Roses. People don't really appreciate that. Anyway, Reckless Road, Guns and Roses, and the Making of Appetite for Destruction by Mark Cantor. Uh, you really ought to pick it up. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. Tim Riley, have you news? Yes. All right, we'll come back. We'll have news from Tim Riley, and then we're going to answer the magical question, maybe. Why was Timmy Ryan driving around last night by himself in a limousine?
1: I saw him, too.
5: It was He was here. Uh, this email says, Rick, out. why was Tim Ryan in the backstation parking lot getting out of a limo alone last night? Well, where did you see him?
1: I saw him on Hawthorne.
5: At a drinking establishment? I
1: saw him getting out of the car. Alone? No, with the, well, alone, but with the uh, driver carrying an umbrella over his head and walking him to the door.
5: Well, that's great. Back after this. Here
1: goes
7: the left DJ who plays what he wants to play and says what he wants to say.
5: Hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, here's an interesting thing about Tropic Thunder, and this is the last time I'll talk about it. Uh, I think,
3: sweet Lord, you've got
1: to let it go at some point.
5: Well, tomorrow we'll have Chris Paddock in to give his side of the story. Okay. Because uh, it is the number one movie, and it seems like it seems like it should be equal time given.
1: My friends are, I have a couple of friends who are very, very excited to see it. You know, uh,
5: you know I was excited to see it, too. Uh, it just hits people, different people, different ways, I think. Uh, here's an interesting thing. You know our mono bed that we play here? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you listen to the uh, opening, you should be listening to all four hours every day, by the way. Uh, if you listen to the opening segment of the show every day, from 11 to about 11.25. There's a thing we, we just call it the Mono Bed, but it's a, it's a Crystal Method song that just loops under the first 20 minutes of the show here. And that song is featured really prominently. Uh, it's called The Name of the Game by Crystal Method. Do we have that? Uh, oh, yeah. it's, uh which You'll recognize this. This song is featured really, really prominently in Tropic Thunder, so that was a little bit of a weird... Really? Yeah, like I heard this, they, they played I this... kind of
1: throw me off. Like, even when I hear um, uh, Ender Sandman...
5: It you totally, think of like like us. It,
1: that, it, every time I'm just like I'm like us.
5: A... They were playing this in the movie, and I'm like, uh, gotta be talking, gotta be on the air. Uh, it's like I went I went to a laser a laser show one time. Oh. Well, I, it was like 20 years ago. Uh, I was in Spokane. What are you gonna do? Uh, but they played Dream Theater, and it kind of freaked me out. I was like, I gotta be on the air. All right. Anywho, ladies and gentlemen, the Ministry of Truth. Tim. Riley.
3: And now no. though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley.
6: Words will not make an appearance at the never coming to convention next week. Shocker! Uh, he is not going to Denver, says uh, Jonathan Prince, who served as his deputy chief of staff.
5: I used to do in Denver when you're effed.
6: So, uh, apparently, until last week, he was saying he would make an appearance at Bono's anti-poverty event scheduled Whatever. to happen in conjunction with the convention. Right. So, uh, he is not. A yeah. uh, 16-year-old has quit school to play video games. Blake Peebles is 16 years old. He dropped out of high school in order to devote more time to playing Guitar Hero. Are you? Is this a made-up story? No, it's true. Is this from The Onion? No, it isn't. Okay. This is from uh, Yahoo Games. Alright. Uh, Peebles, who's receiving at-home tuition in lieu of his schooling, puts himself among the top 15 to 20 Guitar Hero players of the country, and so far he's ranked up $1,000 in prizes. Only a handful of other you that have been able to do so.
5: Seems like racking up $1,000 in prizes is maybe not the strongest indication that you ought to quit school. But, you know, what am I saying? You know, who who am I to judge? Do
6: you know there's going to be a flag burning in Beaverton? Wednesday, June 14th. Somebody
5: told me that, but is this like a rebellious it's flag June burning, 14. or is this like a... Uh... These are
6: respectful flag burnings. Yeah. Put on by the uh, Beaverton American uh, Legion Post. Did you say June? Did I say June?
5: Did you say June? What?
6: What? Huh? Hey, look what over there. This? Somebody just sent me this, and the story's from two years ago.
2: <laughs> I thought you said June.
5: By the way, now you see how uh, bad news gets passed along, because we just read things without even bothering to check them.
6: Yes, uh, this is happening June fourteenth, two 2006.
5: Okay. If you would like to inject false news into the body politic of Portland, uh, you just send it to us, and we read it without checking. So there you go. Fantastic.
6: I'll never accept another email. By the way, this
5: says, thanks, Rick and Tim. I work for a local beverage distributing company, and I spent the last hour walking around downtown making sure the bars had certain beers. I wondered why people were looking at me as if I was a tourist. I then realized that every time I walk by a tall building, I'm craning my neck looking up, waiting for a 500-pound pane of glass to come crashing down on me. Thanks for turning a relatively well-adjusted individual into a paranoid wreck. That's from John. Well,
6: you're welcome.
5: If we could just make your day a little more unpleasant and erotic, sir, we've done our jobs.
6: Janet Jackson is releasing her own line of lingerie. It's called Pleasure Principle. It's called Denial of Your Age. It's priced at over $40 a piece. It'll have something for every woman, she says. I've always hated when lingerie is uncomfortable, so Mm -hmm. the fit and comfort are key. Yeah, all right. She's been uh, very hands on with lingerie, working at times till 4 a.m. That's a lot. You know what she should be doing? She should be marketing nipple rings. Hey, that's a good idea. Or pasties. She so should have just
1: embraced it like pasty nipple rings. That's exactly.
5: No, that's totally. It's completely what she should have done. All right. Yeah, I. It's not like you can't be attractive if you're. How old is she now?
6: Forty something.
5: She's got to be close to fifty. Yeah. I mean, it's not like you can't be attractive at that age. But, but you got to be attra- an attractive. Woman. You got to. be... That's the thing. You got to be attractive in the right way, don't you think? And Janet Jackson keeps trying to do this like. And she's, like, still stuck in that velvet rope, like, tie me down and call me Sally thing or whatever. What, what, is, what is that Monty Python line? Slap my ass and call me Judy. Uh, you know, because she was, she's still doing that the weird, sexy S&M whatever, and that's just uh, it's not working out for her anymore. She's got to move on to a different look.
6: Something
5: new. Something new.
6: Well, that's it for now.
5: Do you want to hear why Tim Ryan was in the limo?
6: Yes, I do. <laughs>
5: Keep in mind, I don't really have the answer. I'm going to read you this
6: email. Well, he is. Doesn't he also work in the music station? Would that, does that come with a limo now? I imagine so. Don't all jocks get that? <laughs> Whether there's anybody in it or not?
5: I don't really know. Uh, I think that's part of the little, deal. little
6: something Columbia Records dropped
5: off. Yes. Here's a new uh, Scorpions record, and uh, there'll be a limo out back for you if you get my drift. This is from Fatboy. Fatboy sent this to me last night, 925. Rick, subject line Do you know why Tim Ryan is in the back of a park, in the back parking lot getting out of a limo? Uh, he says, he pulled up around 8 p.m., this is last night, and had the driver get out and hold an umbrella over his head as he was walked to the back door. It also looked like the driver was tucking him into the back seat of the limo before they left. The driver kept smiling, too.
7: Mm.
5: By the way, here's a really accurate assessment. I'm betting he waited till one of us looked out the window to have the driver open the door so we could ask you about it, and then you, in turn, would ask him about it on the air, thus giving Timmy Ryan the on-air attention he so desperately craves. I am curious to know, though, if you know why the boy is taking limos to the station at 8 p.m. And I emailed him back, and I said, you know, this is the thing. You know that the question and the answer are exactly the same. Uh, it, it is so we will ask him, why are you on a limo, Sammy Ryan?
1: And see, when I saw him last night, he wouldn't answer why he was in a limo. So he comes stumbling. So that was
5: not here, though. That was at a bar somewhere? No, this
1: was at a bar at like, probably like 9.30 at night. And he comes flying into the bar, like knocking into chairs and stuff. And I'm like, oh, God, that looks like Timmy Ryan. And I just seen um, Adam sitting at the bar, too. I'm like, okay, great. These are all my coworkers. So I go up to say hi to Timmy Ryan as I'm walking in the bathroom. I'm like, hey, Timmy, and just totally ignores me and runs on past. I'm like, all right, that's kind of weird. I just got ignored by Timmy Ryan. So I go to the bathroom and come back out and I see him again. I'm like, what's up, dude? And he's like, oh, hey, sir, I didn't see you. Oh, wow. like falling all over, runs up to the bar, orders not one, not two, not three, but seven beers. Which they give to him, and he promptly distributes them among, like, yeah. m- all my friends and me. I'm like, you know, thanks to me, I don't really drink beer. I appreciate it. So he proceeds to take all the beers and start taking one swig of oh, another all of them. that's like. It's dribbling down his chin. He keeps uh, going like, yeah, and, like, not making <laughs> it. Hit really. me, Ryan. And so Adam's sitting there, too, and I'm like, Adam, what the hell is he doing? And I'm just like, I don't
5: know. I can't hold my liquor in my mouth.
1: And Adam's, like, half in the bag, too, and I'm like, this
5: is really weird. Wait man. but uh, so now when did you see the limo?
1: Uh, I saw the limo. Well, I saw Timmy come running in, and then um, and I went to the bathroom, came back, and then uh, Timmy was at the bar ordering beer, and then Adam walked over and sat down. And he's like, dude, did you see Timmy get out of the limo? And sure enough, I saw a limo parked out in front of the place I was at, and I guess um, the guy had gotten out of the car and covered Timmy Ryan with the umbrella and walked him to the door, which was like four feet away from
5: where he was parked. <laughs> <by Ryan. laughs> okay, that's pretty great, though. So
1: Timmy refused to talk about why he was in the limo, and then he he's like, Adam, he's like, drink it up, Adam, we got to go now. So he left like. Six of the seven beers, full beers on the table. But he'd but
5: he, but he'd touch them.
1: Yeah, he'd it's like like take how, a sip out of each of them. It's like
5: how at Aaron's party on Saturday, I accidentally ate that food the dog had licked.
1: Exactly. Everybody
5: else knew the dog had licked it. Nobody told me, thanks.
1: And they just get up, like run out, and uh, Timmy waits in the doorway for the um, limo driver to come out and, with his umbrella and cover him the four feet back to the
5: limo. Well, that's It just, was the weirdest thing. Richie, do you know why Timmy was in a limo last night? Well, he does have a Sunday night program <laughs> on the station now. That's true. He is uh, He is now the host of Musicology. You have no idea?
1: No idea.
5: Are, no. You, are you covering for somebody?
1: No idea.
5: <laughs> <gasps>
1: Richie, are you covering?
5: Richie, are you lying? No, I'm not. Mm. We need to get him in here. I'm Richie, please come to the studio.
6: Immediately. No idea.
5: Please join us now in the studio, Richie. We know you can hear us. We know you can hear us. All right, Richie Bristol's now uh, walking down the hall here. All right, Richie, how's your gas working out for you? Did you rub it out, you Richie? M- you massaged it. It moved. <laughs> oh, my God. Did it move out of your body in no, the moved air around you? from this
3: side to this side. You saw me rubbing this side earlier. You've moved the gas around inside your stomach. It's over here now. I, th- I don't think it's gas. I think it's someone else.
5: What else would it be? A baby. I don't know. Whatever happens. It's, up, in- <laughs> it's up, a baby. Twins. Ha, ha, ha. Hey, Six Rich, months. What else would it be that you're able to move it around by pushing <laughs> it? I don't think you can do that with Babies. bowels. I think.
4: I don't think you can move your bowels That's around. It's called by bowel <laughs> Wow. All right. right.
5: I
3: didn't think we would get to this.
5: No. Not back to the original topic. Do you know why Timmy was in a limo last night? I
3: have no idea. I
5: mean, I can't even... I, and people think maybe they like, I'm asking the question that I'm going to unveil the answer. I don't know.
1: I wonder if like a listener or something had offered like, I'll take you out on the town, Timmy Ryan, you know.
5: If what? Like what could Timmy possibly do in um, exchange? I'd, he has
1: to have fans. Maybe, maybe there's a big fan of his and somebody would just wanted to spend time with him. Is
5: there a Timmy Ryan fan club? I would imagine there would be. I mean, maybe... I'm not, I'm not trying to knock him. I mean, you know, he has a certain magic... I suppose. <laughs> uh, you know, and he is, he is the host of many, like, a hundred different, uh, you know, radio shows on different stations around town. Uh, so, does Timmy Ryan have fans? Yes, you do you yes, yes, he
3: does. Really? Yeah. Have you met any of them? Yes. Uh-huh. All right.
1: Are they ladies?
3: I'm not trying to be snarky about it. I just didn't know. Yeah, you didn't meet the ladies with this, the things that said, never... I know. Why were you just pointing at your boob? Because they have the little. Thing. Oh, no. Okay, <laughs> That's why
7: that. you really want to can say it. You
5: probably can say it. I just believe it, it because online. it's you icky. Well,
7: well I, I mean, it's a clinical
5: can. term. All right. Wow, the people on the stream got to hear that. <laughs> so, wait a minute.
1: Well, is that what Timmy's looking for? No, no, no. What? No. No. whoa, stop. Oh.
5: Uh, this, you know, I don't have a problem with you asking. You know that he'll answer yeah. that I know, in a way I know. that, sorry. that was Richie will over answer.
3: Okay, what girls are you talking about? Did you see the picture on his MySpace? He has two girls, one Timmy. No, it's They're there a
5: listener party? Okay, hold on. MySpace. Right. dot com slash uh, this is Tim Ryan Radio. I believe though. I think so. Tim Ryan Radio. I'm, no, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna go there right now. I'm uh, the oh, I'm sorry. That's uh, is his is his MySpace going to start playing yes, something? Yes, it does. Uh, see, that's I, let me it, turn it, here. Yeah, well, it's see, nothing All I see is the picture of him uh, jogging. He's got it in there. It's All good. right, you can turn me back up now. Okay. All right, so this is a picture of, of Timmy with two uh, female fans. Yes. Uh-huh. And one of them has something on... Both her, of them. They have something written on their bosom. I like something. I don't like see any pic,
1: There are only four pictures here.
5: I don't s- Yeah. Maybe he took them down. Okay, but what was... It was, it was Timmy...
3: Tim and two girls. It was Timmy posing with two girls, but why were you pointing at your boob? Because they had a... You know when we had the listener party, you have the stickers that says, Hello, I am... Yes. Well, they had, I love... Oh, and then a certain they, position. They they had I
5: so instead of Hi, my name is Bob. They had Hi, I love, and then they had a specific type of sex act yeah. that they apparently failed. And then the
3: other one says, I also love that sex act.
5: Uh huh. All right. This doesn't really explain why he'd be in a limo, which I understand is not what the question you're trying to answer. There, and you have a like, so.
1: like I could see maybe if he had like a little groupie and. She bought the limo for the night, but he was by himself unless he left her in the limo. Which maybe he was Shelly. waiting
6: for her ship to end. Maybe he got
3: one with <laughs> Shelly and she ditched
5: him. <laughs> well, that seems likely after a wedding or something. That always—I mean, I would say that the odds are always about fifty percent that there's a ditching uh, by her happening on some some given evening. So, so maybe he was with somebody, but the person in the limo with him was—he
1: was hurrying Adam last night, he was like, oh, we gotta go, dude, we gotta
5: go. So maybe they had, like, another friend or a girl or something in the limo, and that's why he was sort of in and out real quick? Maybe? Because he had to get back into the limo to wherever the whoever the other person was?
3: Maybe it was a dude.
5: I mean, it's just a bunch of, <laughs> I have no idea. It's all just it was, I know here. it
1: wasn't Shelly.
5: How do you know it wasn't Shelly? Because
1: I asked him, like, are oh, you hanging out with Shelly tonight? He's like, nope,
5: not tonight. Mm. Maybe there was a bachelorette party. I something. don't know who any of these people are. And hold high, you're on the Rick Emerson show.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say, Rick, quit
9: insinuating I'm a, I'm a big fan of Timmy. Don't insinuate now.
5: What, what is the what? point of this call, sir?
9: Well, the point is that uh, it sounds like maybe you're a little envious. You know, he's riding a limo. Yes. No idea what he's doing. Yes. You know, but he's over there insinuating. Jimmy's probably got a, a reasonable explanation, and Shelly probably dumped his ass last night. Yes, I'm... What
5: would a
1: reasonable explanation I, be?
5: Well, let me point out that I'm really envious. He has
1: $70. <laughs>
9: wow. That is a good one, right?
5: All right. All uh, right.
1: No, what what do you think it would be like? What do you think what the is, would
5: be? What is your explanation, sir?
1: Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it
9: was something to do with uh, FO. Who knows?
5: KUFO. Maybe was there an event last night?
9: No, I don't think there was, mm-hmm. but you never know. On a weeknight, That's too. You know, it.
7: Fatboy's the one who's questioning.
9: That's he... true.
5: Fatboy was the one who said, "Why is Timmy Ryan in the back parking lot of the He's station getting out of a limo?" Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to knock him. I'm just, it's just, I'm just curious more than anything else. It really is just well, a question.
9: I think we all need to browbeat him, find
5: out what was going on. We should break him. That's what we, we should will. do. All right. Thank, thank you. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, all right. Well, we should probably take a break. This is just going nowhere. It's five zero three seven three. Maybe we can. Uh, hey, can we obtain Timmy Ryan on the phone? All right, thank you. All right, Richie's calling to me right back after this. It's uh, the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503 uh, 733 We will wrap it up around the corner. If you want to uh, sneak up for the end of the show, now is the time to do it. It's 503 733 We return next. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. Join us tomorrow, and our guests will include... What is Tomorrow. Thursday. Thursday. Dorothy Caciceri from the National Enquirer. Uh, tomorrow we will get to uh, top five Guns N' Roses songs you don't hear on the radio uh, as assembled by the fine lads in Appetite for Deception. We mentioned that, that uh, today, but... Everything was sort of shunted aside in favor of discussion of Timmy Ryan and his mysterious limo trip. So, uh, Fat Boy f- uh, from KUFO, Tony hello, here. hi, hello, how are you? I'm doing okay. All right, so uh, so you sent me. So Fat Boy sent me this email last night. Yeah. Uh, it says, uh, do you know why Tim Ryan was in the back parking lot getting out of a limo? So you and Cord are doing the show, and then yeah. you got the wind the window that faces the parking lot,
4: mm-hmm. so we can see when people drive up, and you can see like the transients that kind of roll through and look sure. in our cars and such so what did you see? I saw a limo, and it was there for about a, a good minute. And it took me a while to realize just what it was, because all I could see was windows through the window. And I was like, what the heck? So I stroll over, and it was as I was walking towards the window that the driver seemed to, like, nod. And I was did he just nod at me? What's going And then he reaches for the door and pulls it open, smirking. At this point, the driver does not stop smiling. Right. He starts smiling here. And until the car pulls out of the parking lot, he does not stop smiling. Um, he's got an umbrella up. He opens the door. Tim Ryan gets out, looks me dead in the eye, then looks away... And and puts, like, this little just little sideways smirk, just a little sideways smirk, like, aha, So this I see that you have seen me. And, and then what time was that? That was about 8 o'clock. So it was before you saw yeah, him so I thought, yeah, I at him the like bar. like,
1: 9. Yeah, 9 And o'clock. he was
4: plowed then when you saw him. He
1: yeah, was it, plowed, either that or, you know, putting on a show. I don't know. I think that he was maybe trying to just go places that
4: he knew that maybe people he knew were more. Well, exactly. Like, he was like, I, I bet I'm, he probably knew where you were going yeah, to be. Yeah, because I, or had an I idea. said I was going to go. Look out. at me. Yeah, so he rolls up to the station like, hmm. I bet Cotton Fat Boy are going to be there, something <laughs> along those lines. And so he waits for me. To, the guys literally walked him from the limo in the middle of the back parking lot to the door with the umbrella. Which is like four feet. Yeah, and then walked him back. And seriously, it looked like it was tucking him in. That's Honestly, so he got it's back so in. Like he got in, he sat down in the limo, and then all I saw was the driver just kind of hunched over him for like a minute and a half.
5: Ew.
4: Wow. I don't yeah. Know what's
5: going on there? Well, let's see what the people have to say. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Me? Yes. I'm... Hello, it's you.
7: Hey, what's up?
5: What's up?
8: Okay, well I had some alternate theories as yes. to uh our our buddy Tim Ryan.
7: Yes.
12: Okay. Riddle me this, Emerson. Have you ever seen Tim
10: Ryan and Keanu Reeves in the same place? What?
13: Have you?
5: What? Is this the extent of your your call today? Possibly. Do you have do you have a backup line to go to?
13: Uh, I got a dime bag. That's about
7: everything else. <laughs> <laughs>
5: okay, excellent. You saved the call with that. Thank you. All right. All right, bye now. Bye. All right, hang up. Okay. Hi, <laughs> right, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
9: Yeah, I had an observation. Yeah. That uh, it's uh, Richie, did he do the, the vocals for Mr. Slay from South Park?
5: Uh, no. Uh, Richie does sound today a little bit more... Um, Richard sounds a little bit more disturbing today at what with this constant discussion about trying to move the gas around inside his yeah. stomach by massaging his belly. God. All right, thank you. Yeah. All right. No. Well, okay, so then Timmy appears to be is is Timmy ducking our calls? Yeah. All right. trying to I can imagine how that went over. I can't even imagine what that would sound like. All right. Fat Boy Roberts, Rock 101 KUFO, uh, 7 uh, to midnight, midnight yes. uh, Monday through Friday. All right. Well, well, we'll let you know when I get to the bottom of okay, it. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you. You're wrong about Tropic Thunder, by the way. All right. okay. right. Uh, well, I'm going to bring it up tomorrow with Paddock. Final call of the day. Don't suck.
9: I'll try not to. Hey, uh, Rick, you talked a few days back about the septic pencil. Yes. I found some
12: at Walmart.
5: Excellent. Thank you. We're going to end the call there. I appreciate the information. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Terex Dillon for AM 970. The talker in the newsroom, Tim Riley in the phones, Richie Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave Zinn, uh, web mistress, Bridget from upstairs, uh, director of engineering, Brian Jones, Base Radio, Portland marketing guru, Susan Donak with me, Reynolds. We want to thank Lisa Desjardins, Jim Roof, Steve Castamon, and Mark Cantor. We will see you tomorrow at 10 for the recap, 11 for the show. Like us next, Michael Mara Show at 7. See you all then. Thanks for listening. Be safe. Don't let the bastards Ready to watch out for snakes. Bye. Uh. It's actually coming
7: in a diplomatic...